No portion of this program may be reproduced without the express yeah. permission of WQAM BZ Broadcast. Yeah, well, that sounded kind of like almost militant there at the end. His name's the best. Calm down, you're You're listening to Sports Radio 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Neil Young. An investigation into the drinking water supplies of two dozen major metro areas has found trace amounts of pharmaceutical drugs in the water. What does that do to our health? It all came out of our tap from the lake to my home pipeline. We drank all those medications. Now you should see the sea life. Boys, fish becoming mother. Too much Estrogen floating rounds The drugs just flow through our blood We pick them out and then we found Drugs in the water Alright They will get you high Drug use is fun Drugs in the water Do I look like I need more drugs? Yeah, as a matter of fact 1001 at 560 WQM. Happy Thursday to you. This is the first day of spring. Sure as hell wouldn't know it here, man. No. Now you're going to hear uh, some beeping and puking in the back because I faxed, uh, tried to fax Eric the poll for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then what a Good suggestion we got yesterday. And then I screwed it up, and so I tried sending it again. And, of course, his fax line was busy because of me. So oh, it's going to automatically redial every uh, few minutes uh, for like uh, 85 bucks a try. You know, we'll we'll get work. through it. I beg your pardon? We'll I'm just warning you ahead of time, because if you wonder, what's all that noise in the back? Of course, you can't hear it anyway. Even when the sirens are, like, practically coming through That's the right. window, you can't hear it. So. Nope. Not a problem. We got a dead guy. We always like to get Another the vets out of the way at the beginning of the show, so. That's good. And, and uh, Chris tells me that there's nobody there. Right. That's a good thing, because uh, the last two days on our website, man, look, it looks like there's nobody there. And it's a good thing that even though it's Thursday today, we have no... Um, Restaurant deal for you. We'll have another one next week. We got no two for one deal today because uh, don't say it. Don't do this. <laughs> They're out of business. We uh, set new lows in the history of the business this week here at QAM, and uh, nobody seems to care about it either. That's the best part. Like no. uh, you think somebody would say, "Well, uh, Andy said this," or this one said, "You know something," but no. Why should we care? Why should we change and care right. all of a sudden? That's right. Paul Schofield is dead. Who? The towering British stage actor who won international fame for and an Academy Award for the film A Man for All Seasons has died. He was oh, 86. That guy. You know who that is? Yeah, well, I saw that movie. No, oh, he's 86. He died uh, yesterday in a hospital near his home in southern England. He had been suffering from leukemia. Schofield made few films even after the Oscar for a 66 portrayal of Tudor statesman Sir Thomas Moore. He was a stage actor by inclination and by his gifts, a dramatic craggy face and an unforgettable voice that was likened to a Rolls Royce starting up or the rumbling sound of low organ pipes. Oh. Even his greatest screen role was a follow-up to a play, the London stage production of A Man for All Seasons, in which he starred for nine months. Schofield also turned in a performance in the 61 New York production that won him extraordinary reviews and a Tony Award. With kind of a weary magnificence, Schofield sinks himself into the part, studiously underplays it, and somehow displays the inner mind of a man destined for sainthood, Time magazine said. Actor Richard Burton once regarded as the natural heir to Sir Lawrence Olivier, gay, and John Gielgud at the summit of the British theater said it was Schofield 
who deserve that place. Of the ten greatest moments in the theater, eight are Schofields, he said. How do you like that? All right. Schofield was an unusual star, a family man who lived almost his entire life within a few miles of his birthplace and hurried home after work to his wife and children. He didn't seek the spotlight, gave interviews sparingly, and at times seemed to need coaxing to venture out, even onto the stage he loved. He's now dead. He won't be venturing out again. Right. Isn't that the way it works? A man for all seasons. I'm going to take my hat off. Wait, I ain't wearing one. No. Take off. Well, at least put a yarmulke on, for Christ's sake. Yeah, i got that stack over here. It's a good idea. tonight. Isn't it tonight at sundown? It's Purim? Yes, it is. And luckily, I never had a chance to go out looking for a home montage yesterday. That is lucky. I did get a chance to go to it. Now, see, I lied. I said that I'm never going to play the dollar uh, Wheel of Fortune at Woodbine again or anywhere and, else because it's a sucker bet. And I went there yesterday. I was there 15 minutes. I played and I got a, th- a spin for a thousand bucks and I ran out. I wanted 1,100 bucks. Good. So it just goes to show you, you know. And I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you people in that business are liars. You know what I mean? No. What do you mean? I mean that they're they they look. You know as well as I do that everything now the. the Sophistication of computerized equipment is staggering. Yeah. Am I right? Right. And I also you know can that control almost anything. Right. right? It's, uh, the science is amazing. I also know that uh, nobody's in business to not make a profit. Well, there goes that fax again. Hey, Eric, I uh, hope you're aligning busy. Beep, 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 boop, pop, 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 pop. But anyway, they, I'm, I'm positive that they run programs because there are times when all the machines are dead, and then there are times when they're like all paying out like crazy. Now, that's, that's, that's not a coincidence. I mean, the odds are staggering against that. You know what I mean? Right. Because they tell you all the odds of, well, all the different combinations, but a beep, but a boop, and all that other crap. So I'm sure that anybody out there who's a slots player knows what I'm talking about. For example, when you spend money for these stupid, uh, like online, they have these booklets, well, I'm a, I'm a slots technician for 25 years, and I'll give you the inside secrets, blah, 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 blah. And then one of the first things they tell you, is there's no such thing as a hot machine or a cold machine. And then later on in the uh, same crap, they'll say, oh, never leave a hot machine. Well, if there's right. no such thing as a hot machine or a cold machine, then how can they tell you never leave a hot machine, man? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Right. Just a bunch of crap. They're punching buttons upstairs or in the back or somewhere. I'd like to see that room, you know, the control room, where they're in there with uh, diddling around. Well, let's put it on slow cook right now, okay, so it doesn't, uh, no spins, no nothing like that. Anyway, I did okay. Aren't you excited for me? Aren't you thrilled? I'm happy for you. Slap yeah, happy, that's, Patty. Uh, that's a thousand bucks I got back that I sent Josh Cordes there uh, before I went on vacation. Well, then he ought to be ha- uh, thankful. Well, I, don't, I didn't get any, like, uh, report on that. What, he went to the Keys. Did he get late at least or drunk? He, had a, he had a great time. Did he really? Yes. Because that's his whole thing is getting drunk and getting laid. Not necessarily uh, right? in order, but and? I have no problem with part no. of that. The drunk part, I got no, uh, I just have no room in my life for drunks. It's optional, it's just, it's helpful sometimes. It's what? It's helpful. Yeah. When you and or the other person, especially the other person. I don't care for drunks. I don't like being around them, I don't want to smell them, I don't want them puking on my shoes. I just don't like the whole thing. Well, there's different degrees, you know. A 35-year-old woman was arrested in Destin for disorderly conduct when she extended her middle finger and yelled obscenities at another woman outside a church playground. Bitch. She was intoxicated, smelled of booze, see, and had urinated on herself, according to the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office arrest yeah, report. All her she was off. also trying to pick up her child from daycare. <laughs> oh, you bet. She was drunk, peed on herself, and was trying to pick up her kid from daycare. In Destin, when the woman saw another mother in juvenile walking across the parking lot, she lifted up her right hand and gave her the middle finger and yelled, 
Blank, blank, and horror, according to the March 13th report. It just says expletive, so I'm not really sure. Maybe bitch like that. Right. In fact, maybe she said, I'll find it. I'll, I'll wait. You bitch, you slut, you whore. She was arrested for outraging the sense of public decency, a deputy wrote. The charge was a misdemeanor. Well, what does that mean, outraging the sense of public de- decency? Oh, well, an outrage. A break. So she's a little intoxicated. She's peeing all over herself. And uh, she's, uh, you know, she don't know what she's saying. I'm starting to feel <laughs> sorry for her at this point. Oh, brother. We had uh, 1,095 votes on yesterday's poll. The most important lesson I've learned over the years from the Neil Rogers Show is religion is for crazy people, 382. Crazy people. Now, that's, of course, the people that are running the churches and the shoals and that. They're just businessmen, that's all. They're people in business, and it's a good business because it's tax-exempt. And they're peddling lies. Like we do at QAM, you know. Oh, go to this great place. It's not open anymore, but go there and have a good time. Like that. A lie. Religion is for crazy people, 382. Just shut up and cash the checks, 181. Do no harm, 162. Don't get into radio, 138. Take it from me. After all these years of just uh, hard sweat over this damn cold microphone. Sugar is the worst drug in the world, 92. Boy, I ate enough carbs yesterday to sink a battleship. Just not good. Not good. No. Candy and, um, like, uh, what is that stuff? Like caramel corn? Oh, my God. Oh, just tons of crap. Body wash isn't gay, 73. It's the only way to go, body wash. Forget, drop the soap and kick it. Kick it next door. Let somebody else use it. And don't be a sport hole, 67. Especially on days when they're talking about golf. Oh. It just makes me want to put my head in my hands and cry and just like a baby. Golf. Such a sport, man. Golf. Here's today's poll. In your opinion, the worst drivers in South Florida are... Now, this is pretty interesting because yeah, it's it a... Um, huh? It's like a, a race for second between everybody else. Well, no, the first time we did this, which is uh, years ago, I guess, old Jews won it, just barely edging out the Haitians. But I guess the old Jews, a lot of them have uh, died off by now. You know? <laughs> I guess. They ain't I mean, contenders Haiti, anymore. Sunrise, Sunrise Lakes. Tamarack, places like that. So anyway, the Haitians have uh, taken first place. We have 680 votes. You got your 1,000 look today, Chris. No problem. All right. All right. That's a good sign. Sounds good. Isn't it a good sign? Yep. Haitians, 240. Especially those little jitneys, you know, in Dade County. What what do they call those? Jitneys. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those Haitian bus drivers. Wow. Look out. Look out, man. Haitians, 240. Teenagers, 116. That's because they're drunk, stoned. They want to see if they can get it up to 150 mile an hour, which they can't, except unless they got my vet. Old Jews, 116, tied with teenagers. Right. I think you should just put a old people in general on here. Sorry if I'm screwing up all your plans. Women, 106, and old Julio is 102. What do you want to put, like, old white just, people? Just Let's old see, 121, people. 121, right. and 21 is 142. That's how many delegates uh, Obama's ahead of the Swallery. They just flashed it up there on the screen. Uh huh. He's 142 ahead. She's got no chance. No. She can't catch him. No, but you know and what she's going to do. Sudden, the same, the same bitch that said, "Oh, uh, Michigan and Florida shouldn't count." And the right, right. we're gonna, not going to campaign. Right, we all agree right. to this. And now all of a sudden, oh, right. these people ought to have their votes counted. They ought to be represented. I mean, they, they deserve to have you. Right. right. Desperate, grasping for straws. Okay. In other words, play by whatever rules the Clintonistas set up to try to get her ass in there. 
680 and the full. I think our goal today is about 45,000. We can do it. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Hey, yo, man. What's up with your Fakata Mishpura? Hello? Hello. I was calling about the wabbits you have for sale in the paper. Okay. What kind of wabbits are they? Okay. I have some uh, lops. Yeah. And I have some lops. Some spotted lops and some solid color lops. Oh, wonderful. And I have a, a straight ear doe and I have two dwarfs. What are a dwarf? They're small rabbits. Oh, okay. Uh, we have a farm. Uh-huh. And we like to play with the wabbits on a farm. Uh, you wouldn't happen to have any, uh, like, little wabbit handcuffs? Any what? Little handcuffs for a wabbit. Handcuffs? Yes. I'm sorry, I never heard of them. What, uh... Well, you, we, we use them when we hunt them on the farm. We like to hunt the wabbits. And we take them and nail them to a tree by their ears and then skin them alive. Uh... Do what? Hello? No, I, I, if that's what you don't do with these rabbits, sir, I couldn't say you a rabbit. Well, we, we have a little game we play called All Wabbits Must Die. No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. Uh, I wouldn't say you a rabbit uh, uh, for $50. I like to hunt the wabbit. Well, that's okay. You, you go out in the wild and you hunt rabbits, but these aren't for kill. I like to put them in a little pen and then hunt them down unmercifully. No, sir, I'm sorry. Couldn't say you were ready. Sometimes we even spear them through the head with a rusty water. <laughs> oh, boy, I wouldn't say you were a rabbit. How about some Welsh rabbit? rabbit? Okay. Well, I had to play that because it's Easter time. Or Isn't that the only thing about the Easter bunny and all that other... What is the uh, significance of the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs? You know, you, you ask these questions, I try to answer them, you talk over me, you don't want to hear it, so... I don't never mind. No, no, you don't. You know, all the Christian religions are superimposed over the top of originally pagan religions, right? And this is another one of those. Spring festival, fertility, eggs, rabbits. Rabbits have sex a lot, and they have a lot of uh, little baby rabbits, so they're a fertility symbol. Eggs are a fertility symbol. So it's you mean like like Muslims? Pagan, they have uh, rabbits and Muslims. They pagan their imagery. See, a lot of babies. Christmas a lot of future terrorists in my building here, I'll tell you that. See, see how he does it? Oh, and speaking of here... Last night, right in the Air Canada Center, one of the most disgraceful performances in the history of professional sports. That's why all this business about having 85 sports stations. I mean, who, who's kidding who here, man? I know. It's going to bring more people to sports. The uh, football team, the so-called professional football team, won a game. Okay? They won a game. The Heat, they've won, what, 12 games all season long or something like that, 11 or 12? 12. They lost last night here in Toronto, 96-54 to the Raptors. 96-54. to That's the third lowest total, 54 points, since they've been keeping records in 1954-55 in the NBA. 54 points. Well, what's the point of even uh, showing up, huh? Pat Riley, you idiot. You... You fairy. Where is... When they need him, huh? Five minutes. I know where the hell he is. Will you just relax? Let's see. Here's a fax. Uh, somebody sent an email to George that said, Quebecers, French-Canadians need to be on there, especially in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Worst hey, man, drivers. I want to change my vote. French-Canadians. Of any uh, age or gender. Right. French-Canadians. It's all you can get it on there. Frogs. Couldn't grab their finger up their butt. 
Oh, my God. I want to say it again because I'm sure there are plenty of frogs in Florida right now. Go back where you came from, okay? Everybody hates you like poison and legitimately so. I mean, your behavior is so grotesque. Speak parlez-vous français. No, no parlez-vous The prices on the products aren't negotiable. in China, okay? What? The prices on the products aren't negotiable. Stop haggling with the cashier. Oh, go away. Take your nickel tip and uh, stick it in your bottle tip. of Pepsi and get, get lost. Yeah, tip this. I don't know what that is. Tippy canoe and uh, your mama, too. Go away. Everybody hates you people like poison. And like I said, rightfully so. If I ever tell you I'm going to Montreal again, I want you to have me baker angle. I will. You know, I, I do the same thing all the time. I, keep, I never learn my lesson. I keep saying, oh, this place really sucks. You know, it's the most uh, horrible... I mean, in the first time I went to Montreal, the first couple of times, I noticed the great restaurants. And they had the big casino out there, which for, you know, a plunger like me, at least it was somewhere to go and gamble. But the problem is they don't pay. They just take it. It's a one-way deal. Just put the money and nothing comes out. Which isn't my idea of uh, too much fun, you know what I mean? I know. And then they got these frog women that sit there. There's a row of, like, uh, ten Wheel of Fortune dollar machines. And there's this one. I've seen her three times now. I mean, I've only been there like a half a dozen times. Maybe it's just bad luck. And she's playing three machines at the same time. She's sitting at one. She's playing that one. And the one to the right of it and the one to the left of it. And she's shoving in the uh, coins and the whatever. Plus, they're still doing coins there in Montreal. Now, when's the last time you saw a casino that's still doing coins? Even at Woodbine, they canned that about a year ago. Right. They're doing the tickets. But coins sound better when you win. Oh, get out of here. Cash They're out. doing the loony, and they do the loonies and the toonies, man. Your hands get all schmutzy. And, uh, that is assuming if you get any out, but probably won't. Keeps it nice and medicinal that way. French Canadians, man. Parlez-vous, go back to Quebec. In your opinion, the worst drivers are Haitians, 249, teenagers, 121, old Jews, 118. The ones who are sitting about a foot below the steering wheel with their hands up above their head going about 40 miles under the speed limit, and that's when the speed limit is 35. Old Jews, 118. Women, 113, of all ages. I'm going to tell you, and I've told you this many times, the worst drivers are scared drivers. Right. Which here, they must be almost all of them scared, because they all drive way too slow. Oh, way not, too slow. That's not the way it was in B.C. when we used to go up there. Well, I'm not in B.C. Maniacs. Okay? Old ladies would pass us. Not here. Old Julio's 107, and French Canadians, they just went on there and already got two out of 710 votes. Frogs. Mm-hmm. Parlez-vous, take your loonies and go back to Quebec and Montreal and uh, Hull and Ottawa, wherever the hell you came from. Get lost. You're disgusting. You're grotesque. You're cheap. You're obnoxious. We don't speak French in South Florida. In fact, we don't even speak English, so what the hell are you talking about? That's right. Get out of here. Democratic presidential candidate, this is some bad news. See, it's the old smear and schmear. That's what they're doing to Obama now, and it's working. Swillery Clinton has moved into a significant lead over Barack Obama for the first time in weeks in the race for the party nomination, according to the latest Gallup poll. The March 14 to 18 national survey gave Clinton a 49 to 42 edge over Obama. The poll has a margin of Maso minus three points, 49 to 42. Gross. Gallup said it was the first statistically significant lead for Clinton since the tracking poll conducted February 7 to 9. The two candidates had largely been locked in a statistical tie since then, with Obama last holding a lead over her, March 11 to 13. Gallup said polling data also showed presumptive Republican. And why do they always keep saying that? Presumptive, my ass. 
Presumptive. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe they mean if he lives long enough. Mm-hmm. And what's with Joe, Joe Lieberman uh, attached to his ear? I mean, what is that all about? You notice they're like attached at the hip, and Lieberman keeps whispering sweet nothings in his ear. No, it's the uh, Sunnis, not the Shia. That's, that's how it's going to be. I think that's uh, th- that's practice for how it's going to be when uh, that's president and vice president combo there. I got news for you. Jew Lieberman would do the same thing for McCain that he did for Al Gore. Uh-huh. Every anti-Semite, especially in the southern states, but not exclusively, will come out and vote resoundingly against anybody who's running against McCain if Lieberman's on the ticket. Anyway, McCain leads Obama 47 to 43 and uh, leads Swillery 48 to 45. But Gallup said the lead was not statistically significant. Well, whatever that means. Gallup, of course, is a uh, Republican pollster, and I'm sure that they're doing everything in their power to try to get Swillery in there, you know? Hey, be sure and fill out your brackets for the big uh, tournament, all you college hoops people. So somebody sent me on a MySpace thing, a thing, a link to uh, do my picks. Get out of here. Go away with that crap, okay? Get a life, will you please? Jeez. I have no life. I mean, even... I'm... I can't even believe that George is doing well. George is hoping he wins some money again. I'm sorry? George is desperate for the cash. With what? That college hoops thing. Oh, yeah. I won money last time. Why not? Yeah. Just log on to WQM.com. Register to play Hoops Hysteria. Picks can be made round by round and bonus points given for picking upsets. Hoops Hysteria online at most prestigious WQAM.com. Got it? The best talent. This is no nope. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. All the crap you can unwrap. All the slime all the time. Okay, now, I haven't previewed this yet, so I don't know if there are any uh, sounds in here we're going to have to, like, uh, dump, dump it, out it, of this. It's okay. Sunscreen. I already played it. My skin's clammy and damp since I had that big lunch. It's okay, then? It's just fine. Yes. I feel my stomach cramp. I've got more than a hunch. That's fine. Lord, help me, please. This is total torment, and if I sneeze, I just might have an
Yeah. One moment, please. Okay. What the hell is that? What? I have a voicemail on my um, thing. Yeah, you want to... And I have no idea who it is or what it's it? all about. Isn't that exciting? You don't recognize the number that it came from, or does it not show Oh, wait a minute. Uh, three, five, yeah. I don't know who the hell that is. Huh. Maybe, uh, okay, anyway, it's a 1033. Well, I shouldn't do that, but I mean, just got a voicemail from somebody that I never heard of, and I have no idea what the number is. That's the way huh. it goes. South Florida television station WTVJ was put up for sale by its corporate parent NBC Wednesday. Oh, my God. In a move that startled other local broadcasters. NBC executives told station staffers in an hour-long meeting Wednesday afternoon that they'll sell WTVJ6, but retain Spanish-language WSCV51, the flagship station of NBC's Spanish-language Telemundo Network. How do you like that? Incredible. The sale, which is expected to take a year to complete, will mark the first time since NBC acquired WTVJ in 1987. Now, let me see. Maybe this is, oh, it's the expat bulletin from uh, the Telegraph. I'm getting all kinds of crap on here now. It's getting me very angry. Wow. First time since NBC acquired WTVJ in 87 that a major broadcast network's affiliate in South Florida has changed hands. That sale touched off a mad scramble of call letters, channel numbers, and network affiliations as station ownerships and broadcast alliances changed. And some local broadcasters wondered, wondered yesterday if the history will repeat itself. My email is just jammed right now, said one executive at a local station. Everybody wants to know what, is it, what it means. What does it mean? What does that mean? Everybody wants to know what it means. I don't know. Officials at NBC and WTVJ refused to comment on the announcement, but in an NBC memo to WTVJ staffers obtained by the Herald, the network said it plans to sell both WTVJ and its station in Hartford, Connecticut, to raise money to extend, expand its operations on so-called digital platforms like the Internet and cell phones. We've taken a hard look at our portfolio and made some difficult decisions about what's best for our business going forward, said the memo from John Wallace. Head of the division that oversees NBC's owned and operated stations, it said the network will operate stations only in the top ten U.S. TV markets. Fort Lauderdale is 16, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Hartford, 29. So they're out. So what does that mean? Maybe they're bringing back Ralph Redneck, you think? I doubt it. Huh? And maybe Bob Weaver? Sure. And Del, uh, what the was his name? Del Great Newsman. Del uh, Frank. Barney Frank. Mm-hmm. Barney Fagg. 740 votes on the poll, comfortably going to slide into 1,000 today. Noah Swetsky. Chris, aren't you excited? I'm very excited. Yeah, Chris is all whipped up into a frenzy. I'm excited because tomorrow's Good Friday, and I'm not working on Good Friday. Hey, so am I. So are you what? I'm off. You're off tomorrow? Yeah, I just found out today. Come on. Where are we going? Woodbine? No. No, what, what does that mean, you're off tomorrow? Well, so who's who's working tomorrow? George is working all by himself from taking a new. Oh, Josh Cordes is going to be working tomorrow. Well, isn't that something? See him. Yeah, apparently, uh, Darrow asked him if he would be able to work one of the days, mm -hmm. and then he never got back to him. And so this morning I see uh, Cordes, and he's like, "Hey, uh, was I supposed to work for you one day?" So the two of us kind of, you know, told each other what we heard from Josh. We put it together, and he's like, "Well, I want Monday off anyway. So if you're up for taking, you know, Friday off, then I'll find I'll work for you, and then I'll have Monday off." I'm like, "All right, fine, that's cool." Because, you know, management doesn't really, you know, take care of that stuff, so. I haven't got any idea what you just said, and you know what? I don't really care anyhow, but nevertheless. I'm I mean, off it's tomorrow. not like a big deal, okay? I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's not like the end of the world. 
Hey, uh, when did I get one day off a week? It's nice to have two. The owner of a famous cheesesteak cheese shop. See, you messed me all up now. You screwed up all my uh, deals, all my arrangements. The owner of a famous cheesesteak shop didn't discriminate when he posted signs asking customers to speak English, a city panel ruled Wednesday in Philadelphia. In a two-to-one vote, a Commission on Human Relations panel found that two signs at Geno Steaks telling customers, this is America when ordering, please speak English, do not violate the city's fair practices ordinance. Shop owner Joe Vento has said he posted the signs in October 2005 because of concerns over immigration reform and an increasing number of people in the area who couldn't order in English. No picketing English. Vento has said he never refused service to anyone because they couldn't speak English, but critics argued that the signs discourage customers of certain backgrounds from eating at the shop. Like in Montreal and other parts of Quebec. No speak uh, frog, then get out of here. Commissioners Roxanne Covington and Bert Siegel voted to dismiss the complaint, finding the sign does not communicate that business will be refused, withheld, or denied. In a dissenting opinion, Commissioner Joseph Centeno said he thought the signs did discourage some customers. The sign appeared immediately above another sign that had the following words, Management reserves the right to refuse service, Centennial wrote. Geno's and its chief rabble across the street, Pat's King of Steaks, are two of the city's best-known cheesesteak venues. A growing number of Asian and Latin American immigrants have moved into the traditionally Italian neighborhoods in recent years. No speaking English. Vendo had threatened to go to court if he lost. His attorney, Albert Weiss, said he was pleasantly surprised by Wednesday's decision. We expected this was not going to go our way, Weiss said. Kind of like uh, Ty Tony, Ty Tommy, whatever that spot is. Remember him? Sure do. In February 2007, the commission found probable cause against Genos for discrimination, alleging that the policy discourages customers of certain backgrounds from eating there. The case went to a public hearing where an attorney for the commission argued that the sign was about intimidation, not about political speech. The matter then went to the three-member panel for a ruling. Uh, Nick Talaferro, the commission's executive director, said he would not appeal. Well, there you go. So what does that mean? Don't uh, go there. If you don't speak English, don't go there. They don't no. want you. They don't want your money. They don't want to look at you. They don't Indeed. want to smell you. I was speaking to smelly people again. Oh, my God. I was thinking about that. It's a good thing I was only there 15 minutes yesterday. Because having talked about that on the air yesterday, that was foremost in my mind about people who smell really bad. And so as I walked around, every, every one was like, oh, geez. Oh, it could just swoon. Man. Talk about trashy people. I, I, to me, mm. only trashy people smell bad. Am I wrong? No. Nope. People with even a little tiny bit of class. Right. At least they take a bath once a month. Even you know? po folk. You know, soap That's is right. cheap. Even people with soap and, and hot water is free. That's right. Well, hot water is free, folks. Almost free. Are you old Chinese Hot water is free. Even if it isn't, you know, you can take a cold shower and use soap. It still works. And the Russians, man, what is their story? Uh, well, you know, when you're talking about Eastern Bloc and Europeans in general, I don't have to tell you about Europeans, do I? You hear those stories all the time from people that go over there and come back. Hear what stories? About how bathing is kind of an optional thing over there. Really? That's what I hear. like in French, man, where they make all that cologne and perfume and all mm -hmm. that high-priced crap. They don't use it. They just sell it. I'm serious. Good golly, Miss Molly. Talk about a stench. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person in the world who feels this way. If somebody stinks, I don't want to be near them. I don't want, I don't want to smell. There are few smells, there are few aromas worse than the smell of smelly people. Oh, and under, you know, smelly pits, all that crap. Well, I'm getting hit from all sides today. Here's a fact from WB who's becoming chronic now. If you're taking any additions to your poll or just wanting to discuss it, what about crotch rocket motorcycle drivers? I want them all to die in a fiery crash and burn where nobody else gets hurt. 140 mile an hour wheel stands is a bit over the top. 
Is it possible all teenagers learn to drive on their Xbox 360 or PlayStation? They suck and are dangerous to mankind in general. Says WB. Well, I don't know. We're going to put the motorcycle. I don't know. I don't want to. You want to? No, I think no. that's cool when they do that. I mean, they're only going to kill themselves. They ain't that's kill right. Me. They want to kill themselves more power to them, especially if they're uh, doing it without a helmet. 19 till 11 at 560 WQM. We got uh, the Jerk Show at Doral at 2. Mad Dog at Doral at 4. Hurricane Hotline, not from Doral, from 7 to 8. And then the NCAA College Hoops, 8 to midnight from Westwood 1. No DA tonight. Bill Rogers got. It is so great. Well, congratulations to 1046 at 560 WQAM. Well, this is kind of a strange uh, day today. I don't know what it is. There's something in it. Is it in the water? Really? Maybe it is in the water, those chemicals. What you feeling? Al-Qaeda leader Osama Yamama bin Laden. And by the way, great job, Mr. President, on the gas prices and the American dollar and on uh, chasing down Osama Yamama and Mullah Bula Omar and all those that Osama Yamama warned Europe yesterday it faced a reckoning. For the cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad published in Danish newspapers, according to a U.S. monitoring group. In a recorded message addressed to the intelligent ones in the European Union, bin Laden said that publishing the cartoons was an insult and a greater crime than Western forces targeting Muslim villages and killing women and children, according to the site intelligence group. And the reckoning for it will be more severe, site said, quoting from bin Laden's audio message, his first of the year. The Al-Qaeda leader also warns, if there is no check on the freedom of your words, then let your hearts be open to the freedom of our actions. And cryptically, he said, the Muslims' response to the insult will be, what the enemy sees, not what they hear, said site, which monitors Islamist websites. Bada beep, bada boop, bada bop. He said, Islama Yamama. Are you threatening me? And my name is Osama. Not Obama, Osama. Or something like that. 756 votes on the poll, but we're going to be close to 800 by 11 o'clock. We're way ahead of schedule here on our pace to 1,000. Right. And if we get a 1,000 votes today, I'm not showing up tomorrow. So what's the deal? Cordes and George tomorrow from 10 to noon. And then we got that U.M. basketball game against St. Mary's School for the uh, blind little kids. I mean, come on. Say U.M. and St. Mary's. Can you imagine how many people are going to be listening to that? Third, oh, but it's man. college hoops, man. You don't get it. It's the hurricanes. Oh. Jack Huger writes, different standards for black and white preachers. This is a good column. It's short and right to the point. One thing I like about him. Yeah, he don't jank you around? He's like Doug Thompson. He doesn't write long, ponderous things, so it's easy to read him. And uh, he gets right to the point, and he says it. He pulls no paunches. Like the Beast, he pulls no paunches. He's still alive, by the way, the Beast? Do we know? Uh, yeah. How do you know? He was doing updates yesterday. Yesterday? See. Well, when you're in his condition, yesterday is, uh, it could be a million right. miles away. You One know day I mean? at a time. Well, I'd ask Josh, but, you know, he's not here. And by the way, that uh, that uh, call I had, that voicemail thing on my BlackBerry, that was a mm-hmm. crank call. Oh, how nice. Huh, I wonder who <coughs> that could have been from. Certainly wasn't from anybody here. Rudy Giuliani's priest has been accused in grand jury proceedings of molesting several children and covering up the molestation of others. Giuliani would not disavow him on the campaign trail and still works with him. Mitt Romney was part of a church that did not view black Americans as equals and actively discriminated against them. 
He stayed with that church all the way into his early 30s until they were finally forced to change their policies to come into compliance with civil rights legislation. Romney never disavowed his church then or now. He said he was proud of the faith of his fathers. Jerry Falwell said America had 9-11 coming because we tolerated gays, feminists, and liberals. It was our fault. Our chickens had come home to roost, if you will. John McCain proudly received his support and even spoke at his university's commencement. Reverend John Hagee has called the Catholic Church the great whore. He has said that the Antichrist will rise out of the European Union. Of course, the Antichrist will also be Jewish. He has said all Muslims are trained to kill and be part of the devil's army when Armageddon comes, which he hopes is soon. John McCain continues to say he's proud of the Reverend Hagee's endorsement. Reverend Rod Parsley believes America was founded to destroy Islam. Since this is such an outlandish claim, I have to add for the record that he's not kidding. Reverend Parsley says Islam is an antichrist religion brought down from a demon spirit. Of course, we are in a war against all Muslims, including presumably Muslim Americans, but since Parsley believes this is a Christian nation and it should be run as a theocracy, he's not very concerned what Muslim Americans think. John McCain said Reverend Rod Parsley is his spiritual guide. What separates all these outrageous preachers from Barack Obama's? You guessed it, they're white, and Reverend Jeremiah Wright is not. If it's not racism that's causing the disparity in media treatment of these preachers, then what is it? I'm willing to listen to all other possible explanations, says Jank. And I'm inclined to believe that the people these preachers go after are more important than the race of the preacher. It's one thing to go after gays, liberals, and Muslims. That seems to be perfectly acceptable in America. It's another to accuse white folks of not living up to their ideals. I think there's another factor in play as well. The media is deathly afraid of calling out preachers of any stripe for insane propaganda from the pulpits for fear that they'll be labeled as anti-Christian. But criticism of Reverend Wright falls into their comfort zone. It's easy to blame him for being anti-American because he criticizes American foreign and domestic policy. If Reverend Wright had preached about discriminating against gay Americans or Muslims, there probably wouldn't have been any outcry at all. That falls in the category of respect their hateful opinions because they cloaked themselves in the church. But one thing is indisputable. The enormous disparity in how the media has covered these white preachers as opposed to Reverend Wright. Have you ever heard or even heard of Rod Parsley? As you can see from what I listed above, all these white preachers have said and done the most outlandish and offensive things you can imagine, and hardly a peep. If the disparity in the coverage isn't racist, then what is it? Nice going, Jank. Good luck. I do like parsley potatoes, though. Not Rod Parsley, mm. but how about Walter Paisley? What about him? Chicago harness driver. Come on, Walter Paisley. Sorry. I wonder if he's still alive. You better Google it. Are you serious? No, okay. Just, no, okay. of course I'm not serious. <laughs> Will you just relax? Jesus. God almighty. What, what's Sorry. happened to you? I think all what happened to me? All, all this strange. You're doing this all the time. Science. What's happened to you? You say that all the time. Google this, Google that. Yeah, Some dead person from 100 years ago nobody heard of. Why should this be any different? And am I serious? Uh -huh. Usually you are. No, I'm not. Some Neanderthal. You wouldn't even know how to spell Paisley. Sure. How do you spell it? P-A-I-S-L-E-Y. Good. Google it. No. Not. I'll, I'll Google it myself. I'll Google I'm going to Google it. In your opinion, the worst drivers in South Florida are. we got 769 votes. We're off to a uh, raucous start on a poll, 771. Our goal today is 125,000 votes easy. If we don't get that, Chris is fired. Uh-oh. <laughs> like I said, 495 million votes. No, you're doing just fine, okay? You're a little goofy, but you're, that that's, fits in. All right. Cordis, of course, is just a drunk. Shh. 
with my money. See that? Hey, you know hey, that money not, could have gone to help clothe the homeless. Yeah, 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 right. He's help not, feed the starving family in America somewhere. Listen, I gotta, I gotta defend him. He's not just a drunk. All right, he's much more than a drunk. What does that mean? As in, he's a, he's a drunk, but he's much more than that. Meaning what? He's a good guy too. <laughs> I'm That's sure there are, a lot of, there are a lot of drunks who are good guys, okay? I don't know. I don't know a lot of drunks. Well, I'm sure that you'll run into them. Probably at Gulfstream on uh, next Friday. I hope so. You're going to be at Gulfstream next Friday. I aim to be one of them. Maybe they'll uh, give you a bunch of booze. Maybe they'll give you a bottle. Sure. Just bring it on over. Jack Daniels, you just drink it out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. 773 votes. The worst drivers in South Florida, Haitians, 268. Two, uh, yeah. Teenagers, 129. Boy, the Haitians are way out ahead of everybody. How do you like that? Old Jews, 127. They used to be the worst, but most of them are dead now. Women, 122. Old Julios, 117. And frogs, French Canadians, they've been late edition, but they got 10 already. And believe you me, those frogs, they are unacceptable. Your behavior is, uh, you know, disgusting. And don't go to the beach with those speedos, okay, with your big puppet hanging over there. People are <laughs> disgusted and grossed out by you. That should be, you know, Mara Gulati in Hollywood, before she finally got to voted out of office, which should have been a long time ago, instead of wearing about T-shirts that say life is a beach, she should have made it illegal for the frogs to wear those speedos at the beach in Hollywood. Because that, as you know, is where a lot of them congregate, Hollywood and uh, Hallandale, Frog City. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why would anybody who's got a huge puppet who's disgusting to look at want to go looking like that anyway? Just just to gross everybody out? Is that the purpose? They, they, they're oblivious. They don't know how gross they look. When in doubt, gross everybody out. That's, That's right. the frog creed, baby. Uh -huh. That's the frog credo. Look at that marathon gas station. Where the hell was that? 322 for regular. Station set it for price gouging. Drivers were paying an extra 70 cents a gallon. I was getting gas just before they changed it, so I didn't buy it. Indiana's attorney general isn't buying it either. Indiana, they're gouging. They're adding on, uh, making an extra 70 cents a gallon just, uh, you know, because the public is stupid. And they'll figure, oh, that's what it's supposed to be. $4 gas. Station set it for gas gouging. Look at that. 415 for premium. Somewhere in Indiana. Beyond the range of reasonable prices. If they bought fuel at these stations, they need to take their receipts back into the station uh, and they'll get a credit then. No, what they need to do is take a lighter back into the station. Biggest names. We're back in the birds. Remember that? This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions?
It's 1101 at 560 WQM. Happy uh, spring. Happy Purim. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't say it. i got to have her say it. Right. I say it. It's like, you know. Happy Purim! See, she says it with so much more ebullions. Oh, I hope the ebullient guy don't call in, that jackass. And if he did. The ebull- yeah, if he did, it would be a waste <laughs> of time. I'm not taking no calls on this show, I'll tell you that. George likes the calls, though. He's going to get some great calls tomorrow, I'll guarantee you. That's Between right. 10 and noon. Mm-hmm. What? You know it. In fact, I think everybody ought to get poised right now. Get to right. your phone right now, and uh, Chris will put you on hold for tomorrow morning. Matter of fact, on, between uh, 10 and noon. On good, fr- on good Friday, we should have good calls, right? That's should right. Be good, good calls on Good Friday. Right. It's a good time for the great taste. That's what Noodle said. Good food and good times. It's a good time for the great taste. Uh-huh. Hey, Neil. Neil, this is Noodles, reminding you that it's always a good time for the great taste. A U.S. House Committee chairman has begun an investigation into the electrocutions of at least 12 service members in Iraq, including that of a Pittsburgh soldier killed in January by a jolt of electricity in the shower. Representative Henry Waxman, with his pig nose, chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, said yesterday he's asked Defense Secretary Robert Gates to hand over documents relating to the management of electrical systems at facilities in Iraq. They're not working too good, you know? They're not getting, like, too much electricity, too much water, uh, these kinds of All of these things. things. Staff Sergeant Ryan Maseth, 24, died January 2nd of cardiac arrest after being electrocuted while showering at his barracks in Baghdad. Also yesterday, Massette's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit in Allegheny County Court against KBR Inc. Kellogg Brown Root, the Houston-based contractor responsible for maintaining Massette's barracks. What did I say barracks? Did I say barass? I think you were thinking that. That's bad. That's in bad taste. He got electrocuted. He's dead for Christ's sake, and you're making fun of it? That's bad taste, man. The lawsuit, which seeks unspecified damages and cost alleges that KBR Kellogg Brown Root allowed U.S. troops to continue using electrical systems, which KBR knew to be dangerous and knew had caused prior instances of electrocution. I expected that if I lost one of my sons in the war, it would be due to an IED or firefight, Mayset's mother Cheryl Harris told the AP yesterday. I never expected to hear he would be electrocuted, and something so senseless happened to him. An Army investigation found that his death was due to improper grounding of the electric pump that supplied water to the building, Waxman said. Mayset died after an electrical short in the pump sent a current through the pipes... Chris Eisleib, a Defense Department spokesman, said the Pentagon has turned the matter over to the Department's Inspector General for a full investigation. Right. That should make everybody happy. Since 2003, at least 12 service members have died in Iraq as a result of electrocution, according to the Army and Marine Corps. In October 2004, Waxman said in his letter, the Army issued a safety alert that noted five soldiers had been electrocuted that year, and improper grounding was a factor in nearly all the cases. And it just goes on and on and on. The carnage, the killing, the butchering, the lunacy, the insanity. All these dead people. Nice job there, Mr. President. And, of course, your vice president was busy fishing yesterday in Yaman, Oman. Let's see. Here's a, a fax that says, I rely on you for the information I can't find. Oh, this is from one of our regular uh, iodine faxes. Right. I love the bedtime stories, but... Oh, I'll get out of here. If I may humbly suggest you name the article, where to find it, and who wrote it before you read it, then do not mention it again until after you read it, save for a comment like, nice going. Your taste and intellect are impeccable. Don't I always say who wrote the article? Yes, if you do. Uh, if it's a column by somebody? If it's, right. just, if it's just something in a Reuters or AP like that that nobody ever heard of before, just somebody with a byline, what's the point? Right, not only do you read the, uh, you know, the title and who wrote it, but then you mention it's on the website, so it's not hard to find. 
Your taste and intellect are impeccable from time to time. A bedtime story hits so perfectly, I want to find it and pass it along to people I know. Could you please mention the article, author, and origin of the pieces you orate? No. Sometimes I can, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I can't, and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I will, and sometimes I won't. I know several people who absolutely need to see the piece you read earlier. They've switched from switched away from Barack because of this insane pastor thing. If we lose because of this, then religion again will be the reason for more death and misery. Could you repeat where you found the article and its author? I know sometimes they're posted on your site, but they're not immediate and sometimes difficult to find later. Uh, where am I going to find that? I know that when he's talking about that, it's by Jenk Uger, okay? It's on our website. I'm sure, yeah. but let me, let me look. Jenk it off of there. What? Huh? You better watch your language, mister, because Joyce is out to get your ass. Yeah, yeah, I got her ass and right you'd here. you probably like it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Is she Irish? Where's Marine Dowd? What? Is she Irish? I wouldn't care. I'll make an exception in her case. Now, where the hell am I going to find that? I, I, I mean, Online. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not on our website today. Maybe I just found it this morning, so it would be on there for tomorrow. You think? Maybe. Now maybe if I go to my Outlook Express and I can find the article on there that I sent to uh, to be put on there, you think? What do you think? Eric says, why don't they use the Google search of the site on the home page? You're not listening to what I just said. Well, I'm just telling you what Eric said in the little box here. Well, forget about Eric, okay? He's doing a lot of drugs. Let's see. Sent. Sent items. Now let me find a Jenk Uger. See, you see. Oh, here you go. Different standards for black and white preachers. I knew I'd find see? it. Smirkingchimp.com. That's where you'll find it, okay? Today, Smirkingchimp.com by Jenk, C-E-N-K, Uger. However the hell he spells his name. That's where it is, okay, Iodine? See, don't, don't tell me that I don't go the extra 84 yards to try to pacify these people. But, I mean, I can't just sit here and spell it all out. And, and that, that's why the good stories like that one are on our website. Wish that one would be on there tomorrow. But it's on smirkingchimp.com this morning right now. So grab it. Go get it. Squeeze it. 8.05 on the poll, by the way. We got that thousand look today, boy. We're on fire. We are... Fireing! Democratic presidential. Now, this is by Steve Holland from Reuters. Does anybody know who that is or care? No. No. I mean, if it's by, uh, like, a column by Maureen Dowd or somebody uh, somebody ever heard of before, uh, Paul Krugman, like that, I'll, I'll say so. Or Doug Thompson or Robert Shear. Don't I always say that? Yeah. So there you go. I don't want to be defensive about it, but Jesus K. Christ. Can you please come over to the house and spoon-feed my children, too? And the chimp also needs some breakfast. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton now argues that the North American Free Trade Agreement needs to be renegotiated, but newly released records show on Wednesday she promoted its passage. The National Archives and the Clinton Presidential Library jointly released more than 11,000 pages of Clinton's daily schedule as First Lady from 93 to 2001. The release came in response to charges that she's overly secretive and also allowed her campaign to promote her argument that she gained valuable White House experience during her years as First Lady. She knows where the silverware is. She knows where to find the fine China. Clinton and Obama are battling to win well Pennsylvania. We know that. April 22. Well, that's a long ways away. 
Documents clearly indicated Clinton had a powerful role at the White House, frequently meeting foreign leaders and presiding over meetings. The NAFTA agreement linking trade between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico was considered a major accomplishment by Bubba in 1994. But now many Americans blame the agreement for the loss of thousands of U.S. manufacturing jobs. NAFTA has become such an issue on the Democratic presidential campaign trail that both Clinton and Barack Obama have vowed to renegotiate it. The former First Lady's record showed that Clinton worked on behalf of the Accord, Swillery. Among the thousands of details of the daily life for Swillery, there's a November 16, 1993 entry, a NAFTA briefing drop-by in room 450 of the executive building next door to the White House, closed to the news media. About 120 people were expected to attend the briefing, and Swillery was to be introduced by White House aide Alexis Herman for brief remarks concluding the program, no relation to Billy Herman. The documents, while a mundane accounting of Clinton's daily movements, brought back some reminders of the Clinton's White House tenure. On January 26, 98, for example, the day Bill Clinton declared, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky, First Lady Swillery, had a busy day, including a roundtable discussion with students from her alma mater, Wellesley College. Later, she went to New York for an education event and spent the night at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The weather forecast on that day's schedule said, mostly cloudy, high 37, low 27. When Swillery appeared at a January 99 event at the Kennedy Center, it was Beth Dozeritz who escorted her to a seat, according to the records. Dozeritz, two years later, reportedly was linked to a last-minute drive that succeeded in persuading Bubba to grant a pardon to fugitive financier Mark Rich, a decision that's haunted Clinton in his post-White House days. The documents also show the First Lady got herself quickly immersed in what would be a failed attempt to revamp the U.S. health care system. Swillery's first known meeting to discuss health care came just three days after Bubba's January 20th, 1993 inauguration. Yada, yada, yada. And there you go. So she was all for NAFTA until, of course, it started costing everybody all those jobs. And now, oh, I was always against it. I was uh, against it before I was for it. And now I'm against it because I'm running and yada, yada, I'm desperate. Grasping for straws. That we're going to have, uh, finally, the you know opportunity to really address a lot. Yeah, address. Get out the envelopes and address them, okay? I'll put the stamps on them and you address them. That's a good job for you, Swillery. That's about your your speed. Hey, don't forget to fill out your brackets for the uh, big uh, college hoops tournament. Just log on to WQM.com, register to play Hoops Hysteria. Your picks can be made round by round, and bonus points are given for picking upsets. Wow. Sounds pretty exciting, but I'll pass. Hoops Hysteria online at WQAM.com. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Now see here. For the record, I quit. And I did not get fired. You people did not want more around anymore. Well, kiss my phony ass, cause I ain't never coming back. And I knew that you'd miss me, about as much as Bob Dishy. I knew that you'd miss me, You took my magnificent talents for granted. And one rate too many, well, now I'm gone. Long as Ginger keeps his show in Florida, someday he'll be as famous as Mark Scheinbau. Your ratings after two are now in the turtles. <laughs> now it's your time to get raped. <laughs> you might as well turn your crappy signal 
into outer space. I can say that nice. I know that you'd miss me. This cantankerous yiddy. I know that you'd miss me. Hey, Pat, can't you see I'm trying to do the backup for the doors over here? Am I ever going to get you out of my life? 1118 at 560 WQM. Boy, that Panthers got that big game against Carolina tonight at the Macarena. You better be going to be there, George? Oh, yeah. Big game. They're only four points out of that eighth and final playoff spot. We love the Panthers. Jacques Martin's a frog. Go back to uh, wherever you came from. Go back to Ottawa, Jack. Jacques. Strap. Broward losing population for the first time in history. Oh, my God. How do you like that? For perhaps, and then this is by Robin Benedict, by the way, for the uh, guy, the uh, faxer there, who wants to know the name of everybody who wrote every article I read on here. In the Sun Sentinel, Robin Benedict. The headline says, Broward losing population for first time in history. And then the very first sentence says, for perhaps the first time in its history. Broward, talk about hedging your bets. Broward County lost population. 13,154 more people left than arrived during the past year, according to U.S. Census estimates released today. The loss would have been more dramatic had it not been for newborns and the continuing influx of immigrants. Since 2003, out of every four new Broward residents were foreign-born. Broward's population now totals 1.76 million. Broward! In the past two years, 55,808 more residents left the county than moved in from other states. That's roughly the population of Margate. Well, you know something? If Margate vanished tomorrow, would it be a big deal? I don't think so. You? No. Who needs it? I don't. I'm sure we have a few listeners in Margate, but... Including that crazy bastard, that gun nut. What the hell's that guy's name? Who keeps trying to get back on my MySpace again. I have to keep deleting. He's a, he's a crazy person. Tell us his name. Yes, can me? Uh, it'll come back to me. Is it, uh, I don't know what it is. Since 2004, the county has attracted between 13 and 14,000 foreign-born residents a year, gaining a total of 107,000 since 2000. It's very clear that growth has slowed down substantially, said Stan Smith, director of the Bureau of Economic and Business Research at the University of Florida. It's partly due to the economic slowdown and the slowdown in job creation and the housing problems Florida has been facing. And Nick Reinhardt of Hollywood is among those trying to flee. It's getting too expensive for me to live here, and I don't have an nest egg, said Reinhardt, who has lived in Broward for 30 years. About 30, man. And works at a lighting factory. I feel I'm crazy staying here when the cost of living is so much less someplace else. Her three-bedroom home with a pool in the Lakes area has been on the market since last year, and the divorced senior citizen is shopping for a home in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, my God. Talk about desperate. Tennessee. Wow. Census officials and demographers said they can't find any evidence that Broward, traditionally among the nation's fastest-growing counties, has ever lost population before. The census has been taken every decade since 1790, and in recent years has been updated annually. Well, I bet you there were some good restaurants there in 1790. Let's do a poll on which was your favorite. All right. The new census figures show only two other metropolitan areas. Detroit and Cleveland lost more people than Broward did from July 2006 to July 2007. Detroit and Cleveland, I can understand that easy, especially Detroit. Oh, my God. This is a real alarm, said William Fry, a demographer with the Brookings Institution, a Washington public policy think tank. I don't, don't you often wonder mm-hmm. what about the these like? think tanks sure. and uh, this group and that group and the Heritage Foundation uh-huh. and all these other Nazi bastards, you know? In a way, Broward is a bellwether for the rest of the country, and if Broward's losing people, which in itself is so surprising, that shows how Florida especially is hard hit by this housing crunch. 
It's crunch time, baby, and you're getting crunched. He and others predict the population slowdown is temporary. They say growth nationally is relatively stagnant because people aren't moving around as much in a recession and houses aren't selling. They also blame rising property taxes and insurance as well as lower wages for making the area less desirable for the time being. Florida is too much of an attractive place for this continuing long-term, Fry said. Smith of the University of Florida agreed. I think the next couple of years will be very slow in population growth, but as you go through the next decade, Florida in general will see growth return to normal levels. Florida grew by almost 200,000 people to 18 and a quarter million last year. The year before, the state grew by 321,000. While Broward was hardest hit, nine other Florida counties lost population as well. Pinellas County near Tampa dropped 5,400. Pinellas County is St. Pete, isn't it? Yes. And Monroe County lost 1,174. Others that dropped by a few hundred to 1,500 people were Bay, Charlotte, Escambia, Franklin, Glades, Jefferson, and Okaloosa County. Who would want to live in a county named Okaloosa? Wouldn't you be embarrassed? Yeah. I live in Okaloosa County. It's no Okaloosa. God. Palm Beach County grew by only 99 people to 1.27 million from 2006 to 2007. So if you're a newcomer in that period of time in Palm Beach County, congratulations. A big change from the year before when the county's total population grew by over 7,000. Dade County gained almost 11,000 people to 2.39 million, about 9,000 fewer than the year before, and four of them actually speak English. From 2005 to 2006, Broward grew by a total of 2,038 people. There's another siren. You hear it? I do now. Wow. Here comes the paddy wagon. They're coming to take me away. Richard Ogburn of the South Florida Regional Planning Council speculated some of those leaving Broward are immigrants. For the most part, they're middle class, he said, whereas Dade tends to attract a wealthier newcomer. Remember when Dade was getting all the people with the drug money from Columbia and places like that? Remember those days? Mm -hmm. Back when everybody was running around with suitcases full of money at the Omni and buying VCRs and stuff. Of course, nobody buys VCRs anymore because they're passe, but nevertheless. Remember those days? Yep. Drug money. Yep. What you have are people who were counted up one year as immigrants who came to Broward and moved up from Dade, and then they move on, Ogburn said. Maria Luisa Vincentini, 47, a Venezuelan-awarded political asylum in January, said she came here initially because she had to leave her homeland quickly, and her brother offered his vacation home in Pompino Beach. Now she's looking for work in translation and broadcasting. She plans to stay. I like it here. She said, people are friendly. We have everything we need 20 or 25 minutes away. People are friendly. Well, she came from Venezuela, you know, where they came down from the Las Montañas and like the hunter and, uh, you know, steal and rape. And That's right. Plunder and plunder. Plunder and plute. These things. You ever see that movie, Plute? No. How about flute? Clute. How about clute? Who was in Clute? Donald Sutherland? I'm not sure. Paul Newman? Paul Newman was in Clute? I don't know. He was know. also in that horseball movie that you made me watch. Cool Hand Puke. Yeah, I made you watch it. Watch that Up Mice and Men, finally. I haven't watched that yet. I know, it's good. It's in there. I got it in the other room. I know, it's good. It's got Ray Walston I'll in it. I'll make a deal with you. I'll watch it if I can go do it now. Did you see uh, Breach no. yet? <laughs> no, Bre Breach hasn't made the rounds. I've been looking for it. You know, it's funny it, because... Uh, what's what, are, what are you laughing about? That other I one can't. that I'm supposed to watch hasn't made the rounds either, so it's weird. we got different cable systems. Vacancy? Yeah. Oh, you like that. It's a horror movie. Well, it's not really a horror. No, no I'll watch it. A, huh? I'll check it out. You'll like it. 819 votes on Chris's pool. He knows he's got the 1,000 made today, and that means I'm not coming in tomorrow. Me either. I'm going to get up real early and get in the uh, Pontiac and go to a Woodbine. In your opinion, the worst drivers in South Florida are Haitians, 282. Old Jews, 137. Old Jews are moving up now. Teenagers, 136. Women, 128. 
Old Julio is 120, French Canadian 16. And let me say it again, no matter what category it is, what demographic, what gender, what anything, no matter what category we're talking about, the worst drivers are the scared drivers. If you're scared, pull it over to the side of the road, get out, lock it up, take the keys, throw them away, and get lost. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Up right now. Everybody gonna get a rebate. Spend some dough, dough, dough. All right. When you get your check, spend it real quick at the store, store, store. Everybody gonna get paid. Make the recession go away. That's why you're all going to get a rebate. So here you go, go, go. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't put it in a bank. Or get your credit card bill paid. Because there's something, there's something we can all do to keep the recession Far away. So go down to Best Buy <laughs> or get a new car and go drive. Everybody gonna get a rebate. Spend some dough, dough, dough. Try to forget that we're all in debt. Oh no, no, no. Everybody gonna get paid, make the recession go away. That's why you're all gonna get a rebate. So here you go, go, go. Don't forget to send all those rebate checks to me and George, and Chris will take one or two of them too. We'll, we'll yes, give you please. a little uh, spillage, a little slop over. All right. Not too much. 1131 at 560 WQAM. U.S. Senator Chuck Hagel writes in a new book that the U.S. needs independent leadership and possibly another political party while suggesting the Iraq War might be remembered as one of the five biggest blunders in history. All right, Chuck, you go, baby. And the current impasse, an independent candidate for the presidency or a bipartisan unity ticket could be appealing to Americans, Hagel writes in America, our next chapter, due in stores next Tuesday. The Associated Press obtained an advanced copy. How do you like that? By the way, this is uh, from CapitalHillBlue.com, and nobody wrote it. Okay? Okay. It doesn't have a byline on it. So, somebody wrote it, but uh, for iodine. Okay. There's a Barack. Hardworking, one of the most intelligent uh, individuals that I know in the Senate. Somebody who, the moment I got there, uh, I immediately gravitated towards because... Uh, he is somebody who doesn't take himself seriously. Like us. Anyway, uh, Hagel in the current says, in the current impasse, I already wrote, read that. The Nebraska Republican who announced last year he wouldn't seek a third term or the GOP presidential nomination has been widely mentioned as a running mate on an independent ticket with New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg said last month he wouldn't run. He's Jewish. Oh, yeah. Hagel said that despite holding one of the Senate's strongest records of support for President Bush, his standing as a Republican has been called into question because of his opposition to what he deems a reckless foreign policy that's divorced from a strategic context. Hagel has been a harsh critic of the war since 2003, writes that the invasion of Iraq was the triumph of the so-called neoconservative ideology as well as Bush administration arrogance and incompetence, to which I would say you are... Absolutely correct, sir. The Vietnam veteran said he hoped the lessons from that war would give the nation's leaders perspective before troops were sent to Iraq. 
To the astonishment of those of us who lived through the agony of Vietnam, these lessons were ignored in the run-up to the Iraq War, he writes. Hegel said Vice President Dick Cheney and others cherry-picked intelligence and used fear to intensify war sloganeering. See, war is not about just about killing and uh, like that. War is about uh, business. War is a business. During visits to the Middle East in December 2002, Hegel said Israel's top security officials asked, Do you really understand what you're getting yourselves into? Hegel said Bush personally assured him that he would exhaust diplomatic avenues before committing troops to Iraq. The senator said he voted for the war resolution based on those assurances, but regrets the vote because now it's clear the lawmakers were presented with lies and switchful thinking. Last year, Hegel was the only member of his party on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to support a non-binding measure critical of Bush's decision to dispatch an additional 30,000 troops to Iraq. There is no strategy. This is a ping-pong game with American lives, Hegel said at the time. And again, he was absolutely correct. But uh, the media can't be worrying about that because Obama's preacher is a, uh, you know, a Schwarzer who talks uh, crap, you know. Oh, boy. This is what it all boils down to is crap. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. Yeah, I know. Crap. crap. 836 votes on the poll, man. We're going to be uh, we're, uh, way over 1,000 today. Oh, I can I can sleep in tomorrow late if I wanted to, but I think I'm going to get in that Pontiac tomorrow morning, although I'm afraid to drive it. Remember that guy that said, Oh, you afraid to drive, Neil? Oh, yeah. To drive? Oh. People say the stupidest things. Yeah, exactly. They really do. Just any, anything to take a shot. I don't mind taking a shot because I'm contrary to that polio that I'm not thin-skinned. Otherwise, I could have done this for 100 years. You can say whatever the hell you want. As long as I get paid, I don't really give a crap what anybody says. That's why those people who take the shots, oh, we're going we're gonna to really get him. What do I care? They wish. What do I care? Stupid, stupid, idiotic jerks like even the bridge tender said. I wonder if that guy's dead. He's got to be. By He's got to be. Got to be dead. Maybe they buried him like right underneath the 79th Street Causeway. Now, that, that bridge was a pain in the ass, remember? Mm-hmm was always going up at the most inappropriate times, and you'd sit there and you'd wait, and you'd wait, and wait. I don't think, don't you think that's like passe? Yeah. All these rich bastards with their yachts, with their big yachts. Go, go some other way, okay? Don't go across that uh, thing, across that bridge. Go some other way. Turn around and go home. Rich people with, yeah, like, uh, what's her name there? Uh, the uh, alleged uh, Cuban singer, what's her name? Gloria Stefan, who couldn't sing her way out of a paper sack. You could stick her talent in a thimble and have room for uh, the Chinese army's asses left over in there. And by the way, don't discount the Chinese, let me tell you. What do you mean, discount them? How can you discount them? You could barely count them. They're so Talking dead about from a sexual standpoint. Oh, uh, I wouldn't know and probably won't. Well, why not? Women have flat asses. I mean, if I ever see one that's got a... Fat glasses? A substantial ass or an ass worth grabbing. Oh, in other words, a woman has to have a, a substantial ass for you to be interested? Is that what you're telling me? No, but it helps. And what if they're really beautiful and have voluptuous breasts? Okay. No? You're an ass guy, huh? George it's is an be ass cute. man. It's got to be cute, at least. What, the ass? Like, yeah, they got nothing. Get there. out of here Whacks. with the ass, okay? Ass, oh. That's you... way better than what you're into, man. I well, see, all the rumors are that all of us uh, are into ass, and yeah, yeah. quite frankly, let's, let's I'm not. Let's take a poll. Poll on what? Yeah, what's nicer, a woman's ass or what you're into? <laughs> oh. oh, speaking of that, Hugh Hefner is in the news. <laughs> speaking of that is right. <laughs> nice segue. John Friedman. 
on John Friedman's media web says, um, over the course of my one-hour chat last week with Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansions Library, the king of hedonism told me about his strict upbringing in Chicago, the early days of Playboy magazine, and how the conservative nature of the 50s helped spawn a media empire. The thrust of this article is, if I can find it in here somewhere, he's a supporting of Barack Obama. This is an article about all kinds of other things. Which He's 81 years old, and he's got three live-in girlfriends. The girls next door of the popular e-cable TV show whose ages are a fraction of his. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I mean, just because you're an old toad, does that mean right. you have to be banging old broads that are no, like uh, all no. saggy and gross and... Yeah. Oh, Where Where's the thing about uh, Barack Obama? I can't find it. Besides the pictorial displays of sexy young women, the magazine's signature has been the Playboy interview. He smiled when he recalled that then-presidential candidate Jimmy Carter said during a Playboy interview that he lusted in my heart. Hefner hopes to get Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton to consent to interviews. And in this campaign, Hefner said he's supporting Obama, whose victory would send a message that the U.S. truly is a country of dreams. Some of them even dry. How do you like that? Hugh Hefner, he's supporting Barack. Incidents of PTSD skyrocket between the second, third, and fourth tours of duty. We have a sacred trust to our troops and our veterans, and we have to live up to it, and we have not yet done so. You go, Barack. Kick some ass, baby, and put that preacher back in the freezer, okay? Until after November. Stick his ass back in there. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 QAM, the sports leader. Jason, you're on QAM. We don't have any National Guardsmen because they're all fighting a war in Iraq right now. Not the National Guard. Pardon? Not the National Guard. No National Guard in Iraq? Not, not, there's no National Guard, uh, no. All right, you trained monkeys. This is Mohammed and Dirty Jones. And uh, we're going to have a little uh, change of pacemakers here uh, once again. Yeah, what we're going to do here is uh, talk about restaurants, uh, like uh, the, the Ginger Rogers. Uh, Sea Grape Apartments, hello. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm really excited about the heat. Get out of here. And we run Lexus Spots. The dangerous side of Melrose Park. Hello. You know that Tiger Woods situation? Well, he's a... Oh, that was close. Now, see here. From now on, I don't want none of yous calling my show with any epicats. You understand? Call it uh, Ginger Rogers over there. Why am I sandwiched between these men? I've had it with all you trained monkeys. I don't need this. I'm out of here. Hiya, Pally. Yeah, what do you want, fatso? I just thought you'd want to know about the trained monkeys in the parking garage. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Get out of my way, you lot ass. Bunch of bubba mice. What the... Who's up? Mickey Dolan. We've been waiting for you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold it, hold it. Ain't you a Roscoe Lee Brown? You are quite correct, sir. I did not know you were gay. Okay, 11.45. At 560 WQM, we got the jerk show from Doral at the two for all you golf nuts out there. Oh, baby, aren't you all whipped up about that? About the tiger and this stuff? Not. Boring. Vincent um, Margate says, belated welcome back from a fan in Margate. Today's pull is missing. Eight holes on cell phones. And then he says, hope all is well. Yeah, well, all is well, Vince, as well as can be expected under the circumcises. Everything is just fine. And you know something? In the last couple of days... I realize when I find out about other people's travails and problems, sometimes you take your own situation a little bit too seriously and you realize how lucky you are. Like, uh, you know, some of these things should be my worst problems. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. 
Other people have got issues. I mean, not that we don't all have issues. In fact, that's a stupid, uh, I hate when people, oh, she's got issues. Uh, he's got, well, who doesn't have issues? Yeah. Why do they say that? Right. So we're putting that on there, a-holes on cell phones on the pull. That's sure, why not? get a lot of votes. You'll get a lot of votes, and you'll notice that when you'll see a lot of people driving erratically and too slow and, like, weaving and wandering, and you'll finally get past them while you're swearing and shaking your fist and screaming and honking your horn, and you'll see they, they're not paying any attention to you or to their driving because they're on the cell phone. Now, I have mixed feelings about that, and the fact that I don't take any calls anymore, I don't really care whether they ban cell phones in cars or not. I used to, from a selfish standpoint, think that would be bad for us because then you wouldn't get, uh, you know, Eddie on a mobile like that, you know. Am I right? Right. Look at those floods in misery, baby, and that's because God has really porked off at them. He hasn't figured out why yet, but he's P.O.'d. His wrath waxes hot. His wrath shall wax hot. Oh, they're like that poll yesterday, man. That's that's it. The religious people are the crazy people. They're dangerous, and the more religious, the more dangerous they are. I think today I'm going to go out and buy a limo. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Now I don't know about you, but have you ever? Well, this is a stupid question because in your case you do it every day. Mm-hmm. But have you ever wanted just have the desire to go and do something really stupid, really crazy, you know, really irresponsible? Yeah, and then I do it. Yeah, well, I know. Almost every day. I do, too. 861 votes on that poll. In your opinion, the worst drivers in South Florida are... Once we get to 1,000, I'm changing the poll. It won't be that fast, though. It should have been. Didn't we have, like, 999 when we started? We had yeah. a pretty good start today, as opposed to yesterday. And then we made 1,000 yesterday. It was a miracle. Told Remember you. that? The end of the show? I bet you Chris remembers. Oh, of course I do. Your short-term memory, of course, has gone to hell in a handbasket because all those drugs and all those chicks with the great ass... Says. What? Asses. They have more than one? Chicks with great asses. Now, that's that's a good uh, grammatical dilemma there. Is it chicks with a great ass or chicks with great asses? Like I said, I got A's in English, buddy. Oh, me too. Good. I was a genius in school, and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, you're such a failure. I was uh, voted most likely to succeed by my peers in high school, as a matter of fact. And look at this. I'm the most successful graduate of my high school class. How do you like that? According to my uh, buddies from high school. I don't hear from them anymore. I heard uh, I was corresponding with that one who came up with his girlfriend. Remember Mm -hmm. that? And we had dinner. I wined and dined them at Ruth Chris. We had a great meal and a great chat. We uh, reminisced. It was great. went on for hours and hours. And then I had a couple more emails from him, and that was the end of it. In fact, generally, the only time I get any emails from anybody from back in those days is to tell me somebody we went to school with died. Many yeah, of them uh, committed fun. suicide. Really? Yeah. Huh. And you think back to that, and you wonder, you know, why does somebody... Why does somebody commit suicide? Maybe they got up in the uh, morning and they looked in the mirror and they realized they were getting old and ugly and right. maybe they had some miserable, nasty spouse who was nagging and annoying. And maybe they uh, stopped having sex. Is that what does it? I did that a while back that would and do it I haven't for me. myself yet. yet. I, I just don't even recall what it's all about, you know, just vaguely. It's about fun. Oh, just vaguely. I mean, you might well, as well every now and then when I'm sitting at Woodbine, I see somebody really, really hot, and I think, now I remember exactly what it's all about. But then they run. I don't care what you say about the Asians. Well, you're not one of those people. Well, you just said the we're Asian not. women have flat ass. No, no, no. No, no, no. We weren't talking about Asi- Asians. We were talking about the Chinese. I've seen beautiful Japanese women with nice no, asses. Japanese and people are all... so, generally oh, speaking, sorry. I'm sure there's some beautiful Japanese people, but generally speaking, they're pretty ugly. We're talking guys. about different genders anyway. 
Chinese people, on the other hand, are beautiful, and they got the... Uh, wow. Oh, man. And, could, and could the ones that were born here, more. as opposed to in China, don't smell bad. The couldn't, ones that were born in China, they're old anyway. Couldn't disagree more. What? But we're talking about different genders. Maybe maybe the Chinese men are, uh, you know, spectacular, beautiful. and the Japanese beautiful. men are ugly, I've, you know. See, there's a stereotype, especially among gay uh, males, that uh, Chinese guys are all hung like a rabbit. You know, well, who cares? Number one, who cares about that except a size queen, which I find obnoxious. Right. And number two, that's not necessarily true. There are exceptions to the rule. If you do enough homework, that's yeah. what I've been doing. I've been Researching. The, traveling, scouring the world. Researching the world. Now, Robert Shear writes this on the Smirking Chimp, okay, from Truth Dig. Anything else I need to add to that? Smirkingchimp.com, Robert Shear, Bush's Legacy of Failure is the headline on the article. That idiotic what-me-worry look just never leaves the man's visage. Once again, there was our president presiding over disasters and part of his making and totally on his watch, grinning with an aplomb that suggested a serious disconnect between his worldview and existing reality. Be it in his announcement that Iraq was being secured on the day when bombs ripped through that sad land, or posed between his Treasury Secretary and Federal Reserve Chairman to applaud the government's bailout of a failed bank, George Bush was the only one inexplicably smiling. Failure suits him. It's a stance he learned well while presiding over one failed Texas business deal after another, and it served him splendidly as he claimed the title of President of the U.S. after losing the popular and maybe even the electoral vote. It carried him to the most ignominious chapter of U.S. foreign policy, from the lies about Iraq's weapons of mass destruction to an unprecedented presidential defensive torture. The totally unwarranted assurance was there this week as the once-proud dollar fell into the toilet and the debacle of Iraq and Bush's other failed Mideast policies pushed oil prices to record highs. The Europeans, who didn't support the U.S. imperial intervention, are doing much better, not having to pay for guarding besieged oil pipelines while U.S. taxpayers are saddled with trillions in future debt, not to mention 4,000 U.S. military deaths and 30,000 U.S. injuries in a war the administration had promised would be paid for with Iraqi oil revenues. Even in Baghdad last week, there wasn't enough oil to keep the lights on for more than just a few hours. But the president's happy because his legacy issue, the war on terror, is intact, no matter this week that the Pentagon was forced to release a report conducted over the last five years that concluded after surveying 600,000 official Iraqi documents captured by U.S. forces that there is no smoking gun establishment any, establishing any connection between Saddam Hussein and al-Qaeda. The report was so embarrassing that we taxpayers who paid for it were not going to be told of its existence, even though the explosive conclusions were totally declassified until ABC News forced its posting online. The network reported that the Pentagon had canceled plans to issue a press release or make it available by email or otherwise online because, as one Pentagon official put it, the study is too politically sensitive. Damn right it is. Bush squandered U.S. Treasury and lives in an effort that had nothing to do with the infamous attack on America. As for the real war on terror against the real al-Qaeda, those folks are very much on the rebound, just where they were before the 9-11 attack, building their bases in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Meanwhile, back on the home front, Wall Street is crumbling, not because of planes crashing into buildings, but because the outrageous knaves of finance, freed from the most minimal requirements of public accountability, have been permitted to destroy America's reputation in the world for financial probity. In the name of ending what were claimed to be onerous regulations imposed after the Great Depression, this administration accelerated a bipartisan pattern of allowing Wall Street to betray investors with impunity while abandoning the federal government's obligation, once accepted equally by conservatives and liberals, to ensure our national solvency. This tendency underway for decades to give the bankers what they wanted, codified in the Financial Services Modernization Act, which was signed into law by Bill Clinton, and which permitted banks, stockbrokers, and insurance companies to merge, was exacerbated by Bush's appointment of rapacious corporate foxes to watch the corporate henhouse. They'll take care of their own, which is why Bush was smiling, happily posed in that photo op between Henry Paulson Jr. and Van Bernanke, announcing the Bear Stearns bailout, made possible only by the federal government using your tax dollars to pick up the bad debt of the banks. 
Tape that picture to your wall to remind you when you open a credit card bill with a 30% interest rate, not the 2% the Fed will charge banks, or see the increase in your adjustable rate mortgage or just what your government will do for the really big guys that it will never do for regular folks. In the years to come, as millions lose their retirement income and homes, we'll have occasion to remember Georgie Porgy, who kissed the taxpayers and made them cry before he ran away. <laughs> Georgie Porgy. That's what Robert Shear says on the smirkling chimp. Got it? Got it. Georgie Porgy made them cry. He sure makes me oh. cry. Every time I see him, I want to cry. I don't want to laugh or cry. 874 votes on the pool. Come on, let's get that up there so I can change it. They're slowing way down now, and that's because of Chris. What? In your opinion, the worst drive, well, you haven't been pushing it, man. I keep telling you, give it a little push. Let's Get go, off people. Their ass. Yeah, let's Make go. Make me happy. It's all taken off, man. It's the first day of spring. It's spring break uh, somewhere, and it's uh, Purim, and it's uh, Easter weekend, all these things. And you guys are telling me there's nobody in town. That's what it seems like. And I'm sitting here trying to squeeze blood out of a rock, out of a, ra- a rack. 874 vote. In my opinion, the worst drivers are in South Florida. Haitians, 303. Old Jews, 143. Like in Sunrise Lakes, Oy vey. Teenagers, 139. Women, 133. Old Julios, 130. Frogs, French Canadians, 22. And A-holes on cell phones, Solamente Cuatro. So far. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. It's Dick Cheney. I like to relax by having Mary Magdalene massage my balls while listening to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. <laughs> New York Governor Elliot Spitzer linked to a major prostitution ring. Can I ever have the cash to pay? Because from all that I have learned, it's so That's the important thing if you're getting your money's worth, honey. Getting your money, honey? I know you weren't talking to me for that. No, I wasn't calling oh, you. Okay. I, was just, I was just, it was a rhetorical question. All right. It was kind of paralyzed. Getting your money's worth? Well, I was thinking to myself. No, actually, I, I caught myself in midstream because I was thinking about some of the people I occasionally see. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, well, if I was really, really wealthy, I mean, if I was a multimillionaire, I'd always carry like a whole bunch of hundreds, you know, in my wallet. Yep. I'd have like a special pouch. And say, is this enough? Is this enough? Yeah, like how much is enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me know when to stop uh, doling these out. But that's just, that's disgusting and grotesque, I'm sure, to a lot of people. And to some of us, it's uh, perfectly reasonable, you know? Hey, whatever, none of my business. That's right. Uh, this whole business about illegal prostitution, I mean, uh, it's just, it's right. asinine. It's, it's insane. How can the government tell you what to do with your body? Right. Why is it legal to give it away, but uh, illegal to I mean, does your body it? belong to the government? Of course not. Right. Uh-oh. What the hell? Oh, WTF. We got a fire alarm. 
Mother Ruth. Hopefully this is a test or I'm going to have to... Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe it's your heart monitor. Oh, boy. Maybe you're having palpitations, Pally. Let's see what they say. It's got to definitely be a false alarm. Yo, give me a beat. Uh, uh. You can almost dance to it. I didn't see nothing about any uh What do you mean, almost? Wait, wait till they come on and they tell us something would be nice, you know, like... This is a, a, a test of the alarm, or whatever the hell they say, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, you can actually hear that because I got the door open. You think oh, I yeah. close the door, or should I let it keep going? It almost sounds oh, like whatever. it's here. What? It almost sounds like it's at our place. <laughs> Pretty loud. What's the story, eh? Let me go and take a look out the door. Let me open the door and look down the hallway and see if there's any okay. smoke. Jesus Christ, you maniacs, you lunatics. See, I'm in a dilemma now because I don't know whether to close the door so you can't hear it and it doesn't go on the ear. Or, because if I do that, then if they say, hey, guess what? It's a real alarm and there's like some tourist down here or whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? Hey, we're in radio. We're supposed to burn up. We're what? You know, when they, the alarm goes off over here in the station, we're supposed to stay right here. Go down with the ship. That's right. So you're, you're suggesting I should just sit right here? That's right. I mean, you have a yeah, fire right. escape, don't you? Wouldn't you think that they would come on and say something by now after this uh, hysteria going on? Maybe. I think you're going to be a slacker and pretend that it's a real thing and then take off. I'm going to close the door. I can't I can't right. possibly do the show this way. All right. If the building burns down, you'll know I'm dead, okay? All right. Anyway, I'm here. Just relax. Don't you know, right. make a lot of noise there in the background, okay? i got enough noise in my background. Former White House advisor Louis Scooter Libby, convicted last year for lying to a grand jury and federal agents probing the leak of a CIA agent's identity, was disbarred from practicing law in the nation's capital today. When a member of the bar is convicted of an offense involving moral turpitude, disbarment is mandatory, the District of Columbia Circuit Court of Appeals wrote in its opinion, which is posted on its website. Last July, a court sentenced Libby once vice president... Look at that. Here's a message from the professor. Get the hell out of there. I'm not getting out of here. Are you crazy? Oh, wait a minute. Here comes the now. What is that? Now they're going to make an announcement. One moment, please. All right. Wow, this is an old song. Meta, can you name the tune, the title? Give you a hint. Hearts on fire? Close. A little bit more grammatically appropriate. Heart on fire? It's what Neil's going to be saying here if he doesn't get the hell out of this building. My ass is on fire? Close. Hey, little girl, is your daddy Rhymes with that. Ready, ready, ready. Ooh, I'm on fire. Another eagle, illegal alien, uh, no doubt. Uh, one of our concierge. He comes on there. Ba 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 ba. Yeah, they got an alarm on the second floor or something. In the, in the, uh, I don't know what. And now they just stopped it. So is it a real fire? Or? I don't know. It never I is. They have these, uh, you know, about four or five times a year minimum. Last July, a court sentenced Libby, once Vice President Cheney's chief of staff, to a 30-month prison term. President Bush later commuted Libby's sentence, calling it excessive. The president stopped short of an outright pardon, noting that our entire system of justice relies on people telling the truth. Yeah, telling the truth, right. That'll be the day when we get the truth from these lying Nazi bastards, won't it? 
I'm listening. And all of a sudden, it went That's quiet. That's quiet. It's like deathly quiet. Maybe everyone's burned up and dead. Uh oh, there's that sound. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, brother. Just another one of these uh, BS deals, you know. Mm-hmm. Fire departments on the scene and uh, go into a panic, yeah. 893 votes on the poll. Boy, we're sure crawling along. I thought we were going to have the 1,000 real early. I'm going to change it when we get to 900. How's that? Impatient. What? Impatient. No, I'm not impatient. I just, uh, you know. Now, what are we going to do tomorrow? Now, we'll do all the bedtime stories over the weekend, even though I got the day off tomorrow. Oh, thank I don't God. Want George to have to do that. Cause when I was on vacation, George had some issues with that. Right. Well, you said that there were two days. I only remember one where I posted two. There was a day when there were no well, stories. The 15th, I believe, which me. was a Saturday. Right. I do believe. I could be wrong, but I think it was, uh, you know. Oh, that's when oh, it was, was that concert. Langarado, yeah. no, man. I would went from here straight to that concert. I didn't have time to do no stories. What? I was on the road, man. I was nowhere near a computer. didn't get home until like 4 in the morning that night. Went straight from here out to the swamp to a party in the swamp. So, in other words, that, that's how much we can depend on you to be oh, putting the stuff right, on the yeah, website. Guess, if you got a I party did to go Saturday to, morning. It was a concert. I take back what I said about Josh Cordes. You're the irresponsible. It was a concert, and I did them uh, the following the morning. Drunk. I did like 20 the following You're morning. You're the low-down stoner, man. That, that's what you are. Okay, what are you, what's your point? Those people out there who live what, and what die a giveaway. by time stores on the website. <laughs> would be like, you know, what? <laughs> All ten of them. Just like that iodine guy. He wants to know hey. who wrote them and... Where they came from, and it's said, oh, oh, there's God. Rick Sanchez with a looking fat face. Center are almost saying that, no, it's actually been bad for the economy. Well, that's, how's that play with soldiers that are coming back? Oh, good God. It's just, you know something, there are times you want to take every TV set within about a 10-mile radius and just destroy them. Throw them over the balcony, throw them out the window. By the way, it's sunny and looks really beautiful, although I know it's really? not. Well, you want to know how I know it's not? Because I went this morning, which I never do that. I think that's the first time I've ever done that. I put on my clothes about 9.15 because I I knew I didn't have enough soda to last for the whole show. I went out and bought extra last night, but I drank it. And if I don't have my diet soda here, I mean, I I can't talk for four hours. You know, you get a little bit dry. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Don't you have to have something to drink during the show? Got a big jug of water right here next to me. Yeah, you got a big jug, all right. I got one right next to it, too. 900 votes. I'm changing the pool. Is that okay? Do I have Chris's permission? Then, of course, Chris yes, is, sir. Oh, what's the matter? Are you sick? Are you under the weather? Uh... You know? <laughs> I know you You were concerned. You were, exactly. you were very concerned. Am I right? Exactly. Does anybody believe that? No. no you're everybody. Just, you're just a, a nervous Nelly, that's all. I mean, just because i got to have the soda doesn't mean I'm sick. Do I sound like I'm sick? I ought to be sick after all the crap I ate yesterday. I had yeah. enough carbohydrates to fill up a battleship. Even Noah would have been embarrassed. How's that mac and cheese? I didn't have no mac and cheese. I wasn't there long enough. Oh, here comes the uh, final denouement. Here it comes. Have your attention, please. No speaking English. Investigating the problem. Please stand by for further instructions. What does that tell me? It tells me it's the usual BS. But this is like the boy who cried wolf this movie. If they ever did have a real fire, nobody would believe it anyway. Right. Oh, look at that. What? Here's the. I just changed the poll. 
Here's the final result. 900 votes. In your opinion, the worst drivers in South Florida. Haitians, 307. Old Jews, 146. Teenagers, 141. Women, 133. Old Julios, 131. French Canadians, Frogs, 23. And A-Holes on Cell Phones, 19. It was a late addition, but it did very nicely. And here's actually a bunch of polls from our friend Sean in Hollywood. What? It actually has 22. What? Votes, not 19. I, I, listen, will you stop being a nitpicker? To say, who cares? Well, hey. we got to 900. That was what we had. Jesus, you we are... Make sure we hit that 1,000 today. You so. need some help. Which of these things is most likely to happen in your lifetime? I'm voting for the second coming of Jesus. If he can play baseball on my team, Jesus. We got nine votes on there already. World will run out of oil. Second coming of Jesus. Man's space flight to Mars. Peace in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. Cure for cancer, cure for AIDS, or legalization of marijuana in the U.S. Right, hold your breath on that one. Boy, that fire alarm thing it just threw me for a loop. Get out of here with that. Now, here's a, that fax from uh, Sean with a couple of polls. If you were Emperor of America, what would you decree? Movies. What does that mean? Movie Citizen X, based on investigation of Russian serial killer Andrei Chekatilo, was made for HBO, but so was The Hitcher. The Hitcher was made for HBO with C. Thomas Howell and Rutger Hauer. Okay, nice job. I didn't know that. HBO does uh, good productions, original stuff. I don't understand this. Uh, I guess these are movies we're supposed to see. But anyway, whatever. He says, George is right about breach. It's about the investigation and arrest of FBI spy Robert Hansen. And from what I've read of the case, the movie is pretty accurate. Despite the fact that Ryan Phillips' acting is about as convincing as a Tom Cruise marriage. Oh, is he knocking my boy Ryan Phillippe? That's what Come it on, sounds now. like. He did a mm. fine job, I thought. It's a real fly-opener, it says. On top of being a horrendous traitor, Hanson was unstable pervert who sent his friends stag films of his wife, treated subordinates like downer cattle, and was such a fanatical Clinton-hating fundamentalist Catholic he made Torquemada look like a heretic. These are the people we depend on to protect us from the commies and terrorists. Sleep well. Also, it says, for the scratch you drop it with buying, would they not send a car for you or comp your car fare? If I was the casino manager, I sure as hell would. And then here's the polls and the stuff. Let's see. The reason your poll isn't doing well is because Cubans aren't on there. They don't have to be old. They're all horrible drivers, says your close personal friend, the professor. Oh, how about that? Can yeah, well, it's too late now. We, we just changed that poll. Okay, get with it, okay? Get with it. Thanks I a lot, know, professor. A shot at you there, George. I know. Sounds like a shot at everybody. I didn't know he was such a bigot. Hmm. He don't like Cuban drivers. There's something wrong with that. No, nobody's complaining about the fact that we put old Jews on there put, or Haitians. Yeah, you put old Julios on there. I didn't complain about yeah, that. Yeah, old Julios is enough of that. And, uh, you know, 24 votes on the new poll. Now, see, you see Method in My Madness? We'll have a, a thousand before you know it. And then we can all go home and listen to the fire alarm reel. Biggest names. The best town. I think the sports leader. Have you been abused in the workplace, raped or screwed? Place your career in my silky smooth hands. Hello, this is Norma Kant for the lore orifices of uh, Norma Kant. If you need me to conduct business on your behalf, let me explore for you. It may take up to 13 months for me to explore, but I will explore for you. Call 1-800-There's-so-many-men-to-explore. That's 1-800. Maybe I should not schedule syndication meetings for Christmas Day. 
If your cell phone does not work because you're in California, call 1-800-I want to keep Neil hostage to South Florida. Call now and you will receive a free cell phone, one that works almost as good as mine. That wasn't my cell phone. His name is Cesar. Happy Purim! <laughs> oh. 1218 at 560 WQM, and the good news is my door is open now. I can breathe the fresh air, and the uh, Julio down there in the concierge is no longer mumbling a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. The fire department is on the scene. They're checking it all out. Adam Nagorny writes in the New York Times. Now, you notice how I'm sneaking these all in there? Yes. Very well, sneaky. because I don't want to get any more faxes about, gee, well, you're going to read these articles, tell us who it is, blah, 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 where we find it. Nothing uh, is ever good enough. Have you noticed that? Yes, I have noticed that. That's the South Florida audience, man. No matter how much you do for right. them, it's never enough. Right. It's like being married. It's like, uh, oh, well, that stadium, you know, that uh, ballpark is at a bad location. It's right at the Dade Broward line. It couldn't be more centrally located in the two counties if they would have, like, uh, tried. Oh, no, I want it right next to my house. I want it more convenient. Yeah. In fact, that's a good idea. Let's build a stadium right next to everybody's house. Senator, it says, Clinton facing narrower path to nomination. This is in the New York Times this morning. Senator Swillery Rodham Clinton needs three breaks to wrest the Democratic presidential nomination from Barack Obama in view of her advisors. She has to defeat Obama soundly in Pennsylvania next month to buttress her argument that she holds an advantage in big general election states. She needs to lead. Uh-oh, here we go. This should be the finale for this whole thing, I hope. She needs to lead in the total popular vote after... Yes. See? See? Everything is fine, okay? Everything's been reset to normal. No fire, no problem, no problem. Shut up already, okay, John? She needs to lead. (laughs) Good. She needs to lead in the total popular vote after the primaries end in June, and Mrs. Clinton is looking for some development to shake confidence in Mr. Obama so that superdelegates, Democratic Party leaders, and elected officials who are free to decide which candidate to support overturn his lead among the pledge delegates from primaries and caucuses. For Mrs. Clinton, all of this had seemed something of a long shot since her defeats in February, but that shot seems to have grown a little longer. Despite her last-minute trip to Michigan on Wednesday, Democrats there signal that they're unlikely to hold a new primary. That apparently dashed Mrs. Clinton's hopes of a new showdown in a state she feels she could win and left the state's delegates in limbo. The inaction in Michigan followed a similar collapse of her effort to seek another matchup with Obama in Florida, whereas in Michigan she won an earlier primary held in violation of party rules. Without new votes in Florida and Michigan, it'll be that much more difficult for Swillery to achieve a majority in the total popular vote in the primary season, narrow Obama's lead among pledged delegates, or build a new wave of momentum. She needs the big mo. Mrs. Clinton's advisors had hoped that the uproar over inflammatory remarks made by Mr. Obama's longtime pastor that has rocked his campaign for a week might lead voters and superdelegates to question whether they really know enough about Obama to back him. Although it's still too early to judge his success, the speech Mr. Obama delivered on race in Philadelphia to address the controversy was well received and praised even by some Clinton supporters. Tad Devine, a Democrat consultant who is not supporting a candidate, said Mrs. Clinton faced a challenge that, although hardly insurmountable, was growing tougher almost by the day. 
Mr. Devine said it was critical for her to come out ahead in popular votes, cut into Obama's lead, and raise questions about Mr. Obama's electability to win over superdelegates. They're going to have to be flawless in executing the strategy, which achieves the goal of taking away the advantage Obama has in pledged delegates in the popular vote he ended. Any major setback could undercut that goal. Obama's in the advantageous position. The race is certainly not over. With ten contests remaining, Mrs. Clinton trails Obama by about 150 delegates of the 2025 needed to secure the nomination. If there is a road to victory for Mrs. Clinton, it's a fairly narrow one. Her chief strategist, Mark Penn, said the campaign believed that when the primary voting was done, Mrs. Clinton would have a lead in the overall popular vote, that Obama's leading delegates would be relatively narrow, and that polls would show her in a stronger position than Mr. Obama. Victories in contests where she's stronger competitive like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Puerto Rico, and perhaps Oregon and Indiana could give her a burst of energy. No less important, the campaign hopes that Obama will have been battered by five rough weeks that raised questions about his past, including the pastor's incendiary comments that wanted to score Swillery's warning to Democrats that they were rallying around someone who was untested and unvetted. The superdelegates aren't going to really decide until June, Mr. Penn said. He's just going through a vetting and testing process that didn't happen a year ago and is happening now. The whole vetting and testing process will make a big difference. It is in the interest of Mrs. Clinton's campaign to portray the contest as being highly competitive. Her campaign is intent on combating Mr. Obama's efforts to pick off superdelegates and increasingly are concerned that any sign that the window is closing could lead a Democrat like Al Gore or Speaker Nancy Pelosi to step in and urge Democrats to back Obama in the interest of unity. In truth, in interviews, Mrs. Clinton's advisor said that task was tough and growing tougher and that the critical questions were what would happen with Florida and Michigan and the possibility of developments involving Mr. Obama's relationship with his spiritual advisor, the Reverend Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr. The fight over Florida and Michigan is just partly about delegates. Victories in new primaries in those states are among the only realistic ways for Mrs. Clinton to erase Obama's advantage in the total popular vote. Obama's edge over Mrs. Clinton is about 700,000 votes out of 26 million cast excluding caucuses and the dispute of Florida and Michigan results. About 12 million people are eligible to vote in remaining contests. Aides to the two candidates said even with the best possible showing for Mrs. Clinton in the states ahead, it was hard to see how she could pass Obama without Michigan and Florida. She received 300,000 more votes than Obama in Florida in January, and Michigan, where none of her major opponents were even on the ballot, she drew 62,000 more than the rest of the opponents. Mrs. Clinton's advisor said that absent some deal to seat the delegates from those states, the campaign would still argue that the popular vote in Michigan and Florida be counted. <laughs> right. There's nobody else on the ballot, but let's count it anyway. Right. Yeah. One. The popular vote is the popular vote for all to see, said Harold Ickes, a senior advisor to Mrs. Clinton, for people to claim that because delegates weren't seated, you can't count the popular vote seems somewhat goofy. Right. Yet that could be a tough argument to make. None of the candidates campaigned in Michigan or Florida, and Mr. Obama's name didn't even appear on the ballot on the Michigan ballot. Finally, Mrs. Clinton's aides hoped that disclosures about Mr. Obama's past, like the one invoking Mr. Wright, could give superdelegates pause. Mr. Devine said he thought that, at least in terms of Democratic primary voters, Obama had turned his furor to his advantage with his speech on race. Obama, confronted by an issue that was boiling, seemed to wade into it with a speech that was in many ways profound, Devine said. As a result, now these people who were so interested in awakening by his candidacy are back with him again. Instead of this being a setback, now it becomes an opportunity. But the audience now is as much the Democrat superdelegates who are especially attuned to politics and questions of electability in the fall as it is of rank-and-file voters. Swillery's advisors said they had spent recent days making the case to wavering superdelegates that Mr. Obama's association with Mr. Wright would doom their party in the general election. That argument could be Mrs. Clinton's last hope for winning this contest, says Adam Nagorny in the New York Times. Clinton facing narrower path to nomination. That's the headline in the article, okay, in this morning's New York Times, March 20th, 2008. Have I given enough information right. about where it is and what it is? 
Thank you for that back announce. For what? The back announce, you know, like when you play a song as a DJ. Don't forget to fill out your brackets for the big tournament. Just log on to WQM.com. Register to play Hoops Hysteria, baby. Everybody's hysterical, Ooh. like uh, Connie in The Godfather. She's hysterical. Picks can be made round by round, and bonus points are given for picking upsets. That's Hoops Hysteria online at most prestigious WQAM.com. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. David's a bitch. Welcome to my It's time for the log. Not a monologue. Not a dialogue. Not this kind of log. Not a Lincoln log. Not a captain's log. Not log cabin syrup. No, it's not a log of anything worth your time listening to. So let's go to the log. That's not a dialogue. Not a pecan candy log. It's a log from the chocolate thunder from down under. On the chocolate thunder from down under. At ESPN, I made a little blunder. This was a little bit gamey in here. From the sport hole open. On the chocolate thunder from down under. Well, yeah, I prefer chips, but working here, I can't say nothing. Heat me ball, heat me ball. going to be a big tune-in for that, too. The stats from last night's record-smashing uh, performance by the Heat right here at the Air Canada Center in Toronto against the Raptors. Raptors beat them 96-54. to 54. Is that the right score? Sounds about right. Yeah, that's right. I wrote it down. 96-54. 42 points. Almost double. And it was the all-time 26 points in the first half, which was the all-time low in any half uh, against the uh, Raptors. They were saying last night. Not that I watched that crap, but I turned over for just a second because I had seen the score on the sports channel. And I couldn't believe it, so I flipped over to it, and they were saying, Oh, my God, the Heat really suck. Yep. And would you say the Heat suck or the Heat sucks? Good question. The Heat sucks. In the summertime, you bet. And all the other time. They stunk. Oh, okay. Well, he knows the rim man. Big game tonight at the Macarena, Carolina, at your Panthers. We love the Panthers. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, they're on the verge. They're only four points out. I don't think they'll make it, though. They won seven in a row. Sooner or later, they're going to lose a couple of games, and that'll be, oh, sorry. This is from the Sun Sentinel by Michael Mayo. Wow, Michael Mayo. I printed out a column by Mike Mayo. Well, about once or twice a year, he writes something that actually is meaningful and is worth reading on the air. Mike Hold the Mayo. You like that? All right. He says, just when Florida science classroom seems safe for evolution... Along come some legislators with a thinly veiled attempt to inject religion under the guise of an academic uh, under the guise of academic freedom. The proposed Academic Freedom Act would protect public school teachers who present scientific information relevant to the full range of views on biological and chemical origins. The bill would also prohibit students from being penalized for subscribing to a particular position on evolution. The bill is written with so much mumbo jumbo and wiggle room you wonder what the true motives are. 
The bill does not allow or authorize the teaching of creationism or intelligent design, insisted Representative Alan Hayes, Republican of Umatilla, who filed the House version of the bill. Right, says Mike. Hayes said the bill would allow discussions about competing theories, along with weaknesses in Darwin's theory of evolution. This protects the freedom of speech for teachers in the classroom, Hayes said. I want teachers to be able to show those holes in Darwin's theory of evolution without fear of chastisement. Great, then why not have provisions covering teachers in all subjects, such as health teachers who want to discuss a full range of information in sex education classes like birth control and abortion? That's more of a parental responsibility than a school responsibility, Hayes said. What kind of academic freedom is that, Mike Mayo wants to know. The bill is a reaction to last month's decision by the State Board of Education to formally include the word evolution in science curriculum standards for the first time. Broward and Palm Beach County Public Schools have long used the E-word, but districts in other parts of the state have chafed at the mention of evolution. The old state standards, deemed inadequate by variant science education groups, euphemistically mentioned biological changes over time. The proposed legislation, still in the early stages of the House, was pushed at a news conference in Tallahassee last week. On hand were religious conservatives, an attorney for a think tank, and Ben Stein. The eclectic economist essay is game show host and actor who's produced a documentary on intelligent design which posits that life is too complex to be explained by evolution. I told you he was a crazy person, Ben Stein, didn't I? You're right. Hayes is a retired dentist who said he spent hours and hours in classrooms learning biochemistry, zoology, and organic chemistry. He's also a Baptist who believes that God created the world and all its creatures. I'd rather have our teachers teach kids how to think than what to think, Hayes said. Hey, I'm all for that too, says Mike. Don't hold the mail. So in that context, I'm not uncomfortable with having critical and wide-ranging classroom discussions that use facts to explore different views. I'm not even opposed to bringing up competing theories that touch on religion and science classes, so long as those religious explanations aren't endorsed. But if Hayes and other legislators want to go there in the name of academic freedom, then they should be consistent. If it's okay for science teachers to discuss the holes in Darwin's theory of evolution, it should be okay for health teachers to discuss shortcomings with the abstinence-only dogma that's been deemed the only acceptable talking point when it comes to preventing pregnancy and sexually transmitted disease. If it's okay for science teachers to talk about controversial alternatives to Darwin, it should be okay for health teachers to talk about birth control and abortion. At this point, we don't need to introduce any more controversy, Hayes said. It's already controversial enough. With intellectual inconsistencies such as this, it's hard to see this effort as anything other than a hand-handed attempt to keep the flames of religion versus evolution in public schools burning. Flaming! Burning and flaming, like the fire alarm we had here a while ago, which they came on and announced a minute ago during the break. Uh, It's all reset and everything like that, but the elevators aren't working yet, and they're working on it. Now, do you know what that's going to mean if the elevators are working like at 2 o'clock? It's going to mean you'll be inconvenienced. It's going to be bad. You'll have to now, use can the you, stairs. Can you see me walking up 25 flights of stairs, which up, is really, which is up, really no. 50? I can see you rolling down 25 flights. Yeah, I'm talking about walking up. Have somebody carry you. <laughs> right. How about a forklift? Sounds good. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to postpone lunch or something like that, because I'm, I'm not, you know... I mean, it's one thing to like somebody. It's another thing to like them enough to like kill yourself with a heart attack to schlep up 85 flights of stairs. 83 votes on the poll, by the way. Good guess. I said, what I say, 85 just a second ago? In fact, I bet if I refresh it, we've got uh, 84. There's Ali Felching on CNN. Melissa Long from CNN.com Live joins us now. I mean, don't. Can I ask you a question? It's, it's like in radio. Like when Wendy Martez is on and some of the other people who don't belong on the air like that. And you ask yourself, 
Don't the people who run this place have ears? Can't they hear that these people don't belong on radio? Sports. And it's like some of the people they put on television. Don't these people have eyes? Can't they see that these people are ridiculous and they're just patently offensive to people watching, just looking at them, and they don't belong on TV? It's not supposed to matter. But, of course, it does. Of course it does. It's a visual medium, baby. I don't want to see Ali Felchy on my uh, TV. Which of these, I know, turn over to MSNBC, okay? And they'll have some bubble-headed broad on there doing the news. Okay, very uh, uh, bizarre story, to say the least. Well, with all the important Pennsylvania primaries just around the corner. See what I mean? Uh, Stephen... Bubble-headed broad. She can't read four words without, but a little bit like that. 84 votes. Which of these things is most likely to happen in your lifetime? Married, what is it? Married space flight to Mars. <laughs> oh. You know something? There's something about this day. I think I'm paying for being off for two hours tomorrow. It's all I'm mm-hmm. getting off is two hours. Not a big deal. Not like some kind of a big gigantic bonus. Man, man space flight to Mars 21. World will run out of oil 19. Legalization of marijuana in the U.S. 17. Second coming of Jesus 12. Oh yeah, I'm sure my neighbor's waiting for that. She's probably sitting on the stoop right now. Come on, Jesus. Cure for AIDS, nine. Cure for cancer, five. And peace in the Middle East, only one. Because there's only one crazy person out there. That's crazy. Dave Holmes is crazy. the best talent. You're listening to Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. Rectum. Gas rage. All right. Gas rage. We're at the pump and we have to pay. Gas Getting pissed because the price is up again. We say... Bush's oil buddies are the ones to blame. Oh. Ten bucks every time I turn the key. Yes, the profits are our pain and misery. You bet. We bleed while gas companies have a record day. Oh. Let God and scream and rip off the heads of those oil guys. This is a gouging that will make us realize. We got gas rage, okay? We're pissed off and fired up, baby, and uh, that's just the way it goes. Thank you, Mr. President, for those great gas prices. O-I-L-M-O-N-E-Y, which we don't have much of either anymore. 104 votes on the new poll. That means we got over a $1,000 told today. Chris, aren't you proud? Very proud. Aren't you very pleased? So no. pleased. Police arrested more than a dozen people yesterday morning who crossed a barricade and blocked entrances on the IRS building. The start of a day of protest marking the fifth anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. The Iraq attack... A crowd gathered outside the IRS headquarters chanting, This is a crime scene, and you're arresting the wrong people. A marching band led protesters down the street near the National Mall and around the IRS building before dozens of demonstrators gathered at the entrance. Protesters blocked the main entrance for a time, but no federal workers appeared to be trying to use those doors. Police detained 13 people who sat down at a side entrance. And they got a picture here on this story. This is, by the way, from the uh, CommonDreams.org by Sarah Karouche. Here's Jim Barron, 80, posing in his home in New Haven, Connecticut. He wears hearing aids and has a pacemaker. And he was one of the protesters who was arrested. He looks really dangerous to me. Bring hey. up, old guy, 80 years old. Don't be fooled. Looks like he weighs about 80 pounds. He could kill you five ways. The demonstrators said they were focusing on the IRS because it gathers taxes that are used to fund the war. 
Anti-war protests and vigils were planned throughout the day around the nation. At the American Petroleum Institute in downtown Washington, dozens of protesters held signs reading out of Iraq and no war, no warming, and chanted no blood for oil. Craig Etchison, 62, a retired college professor from Cumberland, Maryland, and Vietnam veteran, said he's been protesting the war for years. I've watched with horror as Bush has lied about this war, he said in front of the building. I'm appalled at the number of civilians we've killed just like we did in Vietnam. College students from New Jersey to North Dakota have planned walkouts, while students at the University of Minnesota vowed to shut down military recruiting orifices on campus. This is the first time coordinated direct actions of civil disobedience are happening, said Barbara Bearden, communications manager for the group Peace Action. People who have never done this kind of action are stepping up and deciding, now is the time to do it. In suburban Miami, Linda Belgrave, a sociality professor at the University of Miami, and a handful of protesters dressed in black-waved anti-war signs at drivers stuck in early morning rush hour traffic near the U.S. Southern Command Complex. Belgrave said the group planned to lay flowers at the complex's entry fence later in the morning. This is the beginning of the sixth year of this horror, and it's got to end, said Belgrave, 57. The Iraq war has been unpopular both abroad and the U.S., although an AP uh, Ipsos poll in December showed that growing numbers of the U.S. Uh, think that the U.S. is making progress and eventually be able to claim some success in Iraq. Oh, yeah. We're doing it. They actually have a little bit of electricity a few hours a day. Not too much. The findings of rarity in the relentlessly unpopular war came amid diminishing U.S. and Iraqi casualties and the start of modest troop withdrawals. Still, majorities remain upset about the conflict and convinced the invasion was a mistake, and the issue still splits the country deeply along party lines. Activists cite frustration that the war has dragged on for so long and hope the more dramatic actions will galvanize others to protest. Most people can't afford to take the time to protest because they can't afford to even fill their tank up with gas because most people don't have two nickels to rub together anymore. But nevertheless, thanks for the great economy, Mr. President, and the low gas prices and the worthless American dollar. Do I dare take a look and see, uh, give the American dollar a holler now? See how it's doing? Especially against the loony, man. Oh, my God. I mean, not the loony. I mean the uh, euro. Yeah. 110 votes on the new poll. Just... Just for your edification. Oil is down to $100.95 a barrel. Isn't that a bargain? Sure. Down from that. 111 at its peak. The Dow is up 90 points. The S&P is up 8.5. There you go. S&P is up, Neil. It's up. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Wow. And gold is down to oh, 920 bucks an ounce. Didn't I tell you precious metals? Isn't that what I said? Mm-hmm. Take all your money, George. Precious metals. Already Take did. both those dimes and a quarter. Already did. And what's the story with dimes? What do they used to make them out of? Uh, of real co- silver, and now they make right. them out of like tin foil with copper in the middle. There's a copper in the middle. Dime, I wish yeah. they put the uh, currency exchange up there, so I don't have to sit here twiddling my thumbs. Oh my God! Ah! So, no, there ought to be a, lo- a law against this. Uh, here we go. Oh, the loony is way down, ninety-seven point eighteen. That's good. And the euro is down a little bit, one fifty-four seventeen. And the pound under two bucks, one ninety-eight. Those are still grotesque, but a little bit of improvement there. Hallelujah. What did I say on the Illuni 97 and something? All right. All right. You understand what that means? Nope. That's good news. Now, if we go back down to like 67 or 62, what it was when I came here six, seven years ago, then I would have like a little uh, something. Something, something. When the American dollar is really worth something, which it was back then. That means I've lost 50% of my spending power in the time that I've been here. 50%. Didn't that scare you? No. In other words, if I go to Woodbine now and lose 400 bucks, that would be like 200 bucks seven years ago. But now it's like 400. Hmm. Here comes the bunny and there goes your money. Euthanasia debate woman found dead in Paris. 
Oh, those frogs, baby. Let me say it again. All you French Canadians, we just took a poll. Everybody, it was unanimous. Everybody else wants you to go back to Quebec, eh? Get lost. Parlez-vous, go away. Jean-Ponzi. A French woman severely disfigured by facial tumors has been found dead just two days after a court rejected her request for an assisted suicide. Medical examiners were looking today into the death of 52-year-old Chantal Sabir, Sabir whose case had promptly... Uh, prompted not only Roman Catholic France to re-examine its stance on euthanasia to determine whether anything illegal had taken place. It wasn't immediately clear how she died. Sibir had suffered from, oh, some a rare and incurable form of cancer for eight years. I couldn't possibly. Esthesian neuroblastoma. Boy, I'm proud right. that I did that. Wow. I'm sure it's not right, but. Developing tumors in her nasal passages and sinuses that distorted her face and caused her noses, nose and eyes to bulge. Yeah, like that. The woman from Dijon in eastern France said drugs were ineffective against the excruciating pain caused by the condition, and there was no reason doctors shouldn't be permitted to hasten her death. Assisted suicide is illegal in France, however. The law permits only passive euthanasia, removing feeding and hydration tubes. Like when uh, we had Ter uh, Terry McCall. What was her name? Terry Cube. What was it? Shibo. Shibo. See how out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Terry Shibo and her feeding tube. And they were all rushing back, the president and Congress, rushing back, uh, cut the weekend short, so they could vote in grandstand. Grandstand. The law permits only passive euthanasia in France, removing feeding and hydration tubes when a person is in a coma, or introducing coma and then removing the tubes. Sabir's lawyer had tried to convince a French court that it was barbaric to put her through the ordeal of dying slowly in an artificial coma, something that could take up to two weeks, while her three children looked on in anguish. The court turned the appeal down on Monday. At the same time, she wrote a letter to French President Sarkozy appealing for help. He responded by suggesting top doctors should re-examine her for a second opinion. <laughs> Let's get a second opinion. Oh, my God, that other nose that's growing out of the side of her face. Let's see if it's really another nose or it's just... Her plight and the questions it raised caused so much public debate in France that when she was found dead last night, it made front-page news in heavyweight papers including Le Figaro and Le Parisien. CNN senior international correspondent Jim Bitterman in Paris said she had many supporters in France with hundreds of people writing to her to express their backing. One of the reasons for this woman was a relatively young mother of three, and many people could sympathize. People think, what would I do in the same circumstances? A French group called the Association for the Right to Die with Dignity, which took up her cause, believes laws must be changed to take such cases into account. I think we ought to let all the French people commit suicide. Sounds good. We should uh, help them. Starting with the frogs. Although, who will make the wine and the cheese, then? Now, here's the guy that sent us the pool that we have up there. I meant to add, the U.S. will start using the metric system. All right. Well, thanks for the pool, and we could put that on there, although that's yeah. not going to happen because the U.S. is, the whole world is out of step. The U.S. is right, and the whole rest of the world is out of step. You do understand that. Oh, well, I know that. When are you going to figure it out? Yeah. It's the only country in the world that's on uh, the, well, now, what do we call our system? English standard. We do? I think. They're standard. Well, why do we call it that? Because the English don't use it. They used to. They don't. I know. They use the metric system like the I whole guess rest it's of American the world. Standard like now. Canada and Mexico and Latin America and Africa and Asia and uh, China where they have all those hot people and some pretty cool ones. 121 votes on the new poll. Are we going to add that on there or not? I mean, it's up to you. Added. Here. It's added? See. Boy, that Chris, he didn't even wait for me to give it my uh, squeal of approval. Well, you sound like you're up for it, so... U.S. will start using the metric system. Hold your breath. Which of these things is most likely to happen in your lifetime? Thanks for the poll. It's not that great. We've done it before. <laughs> but it's got different things on it. That's the good part. Right? Right. 
Got to try new things. That's what I keep telling people, and they run like a son of a bitch. John Nichols has a column on the nation, in the nation, on the nation, under the nation, Obama, Clinton, and the other speech. He says the news on Wednesday focused on a speech Barack Obama had made the day before regarding the complex intersection of race, religion, and politics. Obama's historic speech deserved all the attention that it got. But Wednesday was, as well, the anniversary of the launch of George Bush's war in Iraq. And we would all be remiss if we failed to note that Obama's opponent for the Democratic presidential nomination, New York Senator Hillary Clinton, has called our attention to a speech Obama made in regard to the question of whether Bush should have been allowed to begin the seemingly endless war. Clinton said that Obama's campaign is based on one speech he gave at an anti-war rally in 2002. In fairness to the senator from Illinois, his candidacy is based on a bit more than a speech in 2002, but the speech ought not be dismissed by those considering the choice between Obama and Clinton. Indeed, the fact that Obama opposed authorizing Bush to go to war when Clinton did not illustrates an essential difference between the two remaining contenders for the Democratic presidential nomination. Five years into an unnecessary war that's dislocated millions of Iraqis, that's killed hundreds of thousands of innocents, that's sent coffins back to towns across the U.S., that's emptied our federal treasury at a time when the money is more needed than ever at home, that's taken the eyes of the President and the Congress off critical economic policy concerns, and has made any sense, in any sense, made America a safer, better country. The Iraq war is the primary foreign policy disaster of our time, but it is as well the primary domestic policy disaster of our time, too. And every serious observer all know, let's repeat that, every serious observer knew that invading Iraq would create precisely the quagmire it's come to be. The majority of Democrats and half a dozen Republicans in the House knew, almost half the Democrats and the Republican Independent in the Senate knew, but Hillary Clinton did not. That's more than just troubling. While it may be too much to say that voting to authorize George Bush to take the country to war in Iraq was, in and of itself, disqualifying, many reasonable people have come to that conclusion. And in a race between two qualified candidates who are so very similar on so many issues, the fact that one of them got Iraq right and the other got it wrong provides the race with necessary measure of definition. Five years into this war, the truest thing that can be said about the conflict is this. It should never have begun. Hillary Clinton understands this now when it's too late. Barack Obama understood in 2002 when there was still time. You are not the man. You are Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. The one to two hour. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale. The tale of an a-hole cop who pulled over Mary Ann on a traffic stop. He collared Dawn and didn't care if she's Marianne or not. This doo-doo bag small town moron busted her for pot. He busted her for pot. It seems that only Idaho's live in Idaho like their senator. I'm Larry Craig, and marijuana is a gateway drug. Uh, uh, that is to say, uh, a, a great way drug. Gay. Dawn Wells is not gay. But she was a very naughty girl. A very naughty girl. Most fellas say she helped them get through puberty. Not me. I had the hots for the professor myself. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must assume my penalistic stance. Hello there. Uh-huh. Look at that. Stingray leaps from the water and strikes a woman sunbathing on a boat in Marathon and killed her. Her boat, she was They're pronounced dead revenge. at a local... I beg your pardon? For Steve Irwin, and now this. Revenge of the Stingrays. Huh? We'll be talking shortly here with the Coast Guard, and we'll bring that to you as soon as we can. 55-year-old woman, she died from the Stingrays' uh, sting. She got stung. She's dead. In Marathon, mm -hmm. no less. How do you like mm -hmm. that? 
Congress and the Federal Reserve missed their chance to keep the country from falling into recession by acting too slowly, according to a well-respected economist who I never heard of and whose name I can't possibly pronounce. Lakshman Akutan. Okay. Okay, what? I'll, I'll take it. A-C-H-U-T-A-N. Achtung. I don't know what his name is. The managing director of the Economic Cycle Research Institute said the economy is now falling in what he calls a recession of choice. He argues that the economic stimulus package, he said Echmer stimulus package, passed by Congress this year is too late to help many consumers and businesses, and that the Federal Reserve was too timid when it started trimming interest rates last fall. Since then, the Fed has aggressively cut rates, most recently lowering them by three-quarters of a percentage point at its meeting on Tuesday. If they had done this at the fourth quarter, I think we'd be having a different discussion, he said. We not have had Bear, referring to the fire sale purchase of brokerage firm Bear Stearns by J.P. Morgan Chase, that the Fed helped arrange over the weekend to avoid a collapse of Bear Stearns. The ECRI, which forecasts a number of key economic readings, such as employment, inflation, and production from various business sectors, had been reluctant to join the rising tide of economists, arguing the economy has fallen into a recession, but changed its call on Thursday today. Accutan... Acutan, Achtung, said the tipping point for his firm's recession call was when its leading index for non-financial services, a sector of the economy that accounts for 62% of jobs, turned negative. Although he said he saw weaknesses in the U.S. economy last fall, he didn't make a recession forecast at that time because he thought it was possible the government could have done something then to prevent a recession. He said low business inventories at the end of last year gave policymakers a chance to avoid the recession because any spur to spending by business or consumers would have resulted in a quick pickup in production. This was an opportunity that was wasted by policymakers because they didn't understand those dynamics, he said. That's one aspect of how the policymakers have goofed, and this is why recession is a choice, not something that happened by bad luck and chance. But Ben Bernanke worked over the weekend, though. Good job there, Benny. Heck of a job, Benny. Don't you think? Indeed, I do. He worked over the weekend. He poured over the books, and he rolled up his sleeves and dusted off the old studies, and he said, we can do, 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 and he did a lot of do-do. Did, did, did. And that's what most people are in, like the, uh, that commissioner in Dade County said yesterday. Was it Javier Suoto? We're in deep do-do? Is that what he said? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Whatever happened to, uh, what's his name, Xavier Suarez? He's still running around in his bathrobe? I think I saw him just this morning. Knocking on the doors at 4 or 5 in the morning. Hey, vote for me. Vote for me. Not that we have crazy politicians in South Florida. You do understand that. Oh, I understand. And thank God for that Metro fail that they have to buy those, replace those cars mm-hmm. for the ten people that ride it every day so they can go to Shorty's and get some good ribs. I'll tell you one thing. The day that Shorty's ever closed down, that would be it. Am I right? Indeed. Although, you know, I'm Although not going to miss it. Uh, well, I'm not going to either, but I'm just saying. That, that would down be, that's the, the last too. landmark. All, all the other landmarks are gone. Corky's is gone. The Famous will be gone next month. Wolfie's are all gone. Pumpernick's are all gone. And once they're gone... They're gone? They're gone forever, baby. They're gone. Oh, and today is Thursday, but we didn't have any restaurant deal. Probably some people are wondering about that. Well, don't do the spots. They're out of business. And you'll be pleased to know I went down during the 1 o'clock break. I went down the hall. And I punched the elevator button, and the elevators are working now. Yeah. Oh! All right. Isn't that good? Because you would, I mean, then that would have been bad. You'd have been wondering all weekend until Monday. Right. Whether I was dead or alive, whether I'd show up on Monday. And, of course, that would be bad because you're not going to be working on Monday. Now, who's going to be working Monday? Chris? Mm-hmm. Yes. And? Chris. What do you mean by that? We have another guy named Chris? No, that'll, that'll be me. Just you? Most likely. We got no uh, Josh uh, Cordes on Monday? Well, no, See, he'll be off what, Monday. That's the way it goes. 
That's the way it works. I said, I think George ought to start paying for his uh, drunken uh, uh, orgies. For I do. I pay for my own drunken orgies. No, for Cortez. For Cortez, you're always sticking up for him so much. What a yeah. great guy he is. Well, if he starts sharing, maybe I will too. Well, he's not sharing. I know. He probably he's not caring. Sharing. Yeah. And if she's barren, man, all you want is some good weed and some good sex. That's all you want. Yeah. Won't take much to keep George happy. So when he goes to Gulfstream next Friday, mm-hmm. bring, all you hot chicks. Both, and then, of course, please. the guy with the eyes, he's probably pretty desperate, too. He might do it for you. Yeah. He might show you a really fat back anything. since you're so much into ass. He's all ass right. if you ask me. Yeah, well, wrong kind. <laughs> a little hairy for me. Oh! 148 votes on the poll. Which of these things is likely to happen in your lifetime? The world will run out of oil, 33. Oh, there's the uh, stingray. It's dead. Look at that. Those are nasty-looking things, by the way. Yeah. Now, what's the difference between a stingray and an eel? Isn't a stingray a kind of eel? No. Well, I mean, I don't know the technicality of it, but a stingray well, is broad and flat. Well, why not? Then why did you say no right away? No. A stingray is broad and flat, and an eel is long and thin. It's long and thin? Like a snake. Like a snake. But they're both fish. Stingrays are related to sharks. I'm, I'm Googling it. All right, cool. All about stingrays. Some adult stingrays are no larger than a human palm. How do you like that? This All one's right. big, though. You see mm-hmm. that one I'm sitting in there? Oh, and I can't, boy, I can't read the uh, family that it's from. It's even worse than that guy's name, that economist. And collided with either the vessel or the victim herself, causing her uh, to die. Um, we have our investigators that are on the scene right now trying to make that determination to see if it was a, uh, her death occurred as a direct result of the collision with the or whether it was a, a she panicked while she was in, in the boat and she fell backwards when the ray actually ended up in the boat. So we're looking at uh, into those uh, those few uh, incidents to try to determine exactly what occurred. So we've heard from Monroe County Sheriff's Office that this woman had severe injuries to her face. Is that uh, can you confirm that? I cannot confirm that. I would imagine that, that if she collided with a a ray, then yes, she would definitely have those kind of of injuries. I'm I'm on my way down to the scene to try to get more detail as to what occurred. Well, that screwed up my... I went to Wikipedia and it screwed up my computer, man. Don't you hate that when you go to something and like everything freezes up? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, restore the session, okay? Just get back on Firefox there and let's get going. I was just about to read the poll and you said, why don't you Google uh, Stingray so we know what it's all about? Is that what you said? Yeah, I did. I'm sure you did. Okay, let me get I'm off trying of that. trying to sabotage thing. you. Wikipedia. 154 votes. Which of these things uh, most likely to happen in your lifetime? World will run out of oil, 36. Man, space flight to Mars, 32. Legalization of marijuana in the U.S., 30. Oh, yeah, not in my lifetime. Cure for AIDS, 24. Second coming of Jesus, 14. Oh, I want to see that. Can I lend you a hand, Jesus? Maybe we can buy some new Birkenstocks, baby. You look like a schlepper. The U.S. will start using the metric system, 8. Cure for cancer, 8. And peace in the Middle East, 2. Two very silly people out of 156. I think you got a real shot at uh, 1,200. What, what do we have? 900? 1,100? Yeah. Chris. Uh-huh. He doesn't care. I care so, so much. It is so, so important fat, man. So typically fat and lethargic and just, uh, you know. 
No, no, no pizzazz, no energy, man. No, you know, that, that's the way it is when you're fat. I can relate. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're fat, you can, you can barely even move. You can barely roll out of the sack in the morning. Am I wrong? No. No. Jim Loeb from the Inner Press Service on CommonDreams.org. Did I make that clear, Loeb? Remember Jim Loeb from the Green Door? Don't play it. Yeah, all right. Why did the U.S. invade Iraq? Loeb, L-O-B-E. The official reasons, the threat posed to the U.S. by its allies and Saddam Hussein's... I, I'm not going to have time to do this before the break, so I'm going to do the break now. Because I don't want to have, like, uh, storious, uh, bedtime storious interrupters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest names. The best talent. You're listening to Roger. Sports Radio 560-QAM. Floridians, dumb as dirt. Once there was a senator who was caught indulging a habit. A boogaloo, not much different, like a typical neocon faggot. You fairy! Hands up to Larry. We all thank you for giving writers something funny to do. You're looking for guys who make you go I I Larry Craig, thank you. Tapping your shoe. New stories last a few days, but you refuse to go away. Republicans are primarily gay. Absolutely. Can't talk to Larry with cheats of We all invite you to inhale our fun. The neocon Crack them. Gay, 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 I never have been gay. Gay, 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 I never have been gay. Hands up to Larry, he wants to stay. But his own party wants him to go away. The religious right wants him to stay. Larry Craig will spread his legs for you. Oh, speaking of that, what do you think of that? Oh, she's not on there right now. The blonde chick on CNN that is, uh, is doing the news now. I think a, she's new. Okay. The one that, that was on the left. Again. They, huh? The one that was on the left, I caught her. That's right. What did you think of her? I think she looked mighty fine. I give her about a 9.8. I'll take her. Okay. See, I told you. My taste is great in the Sunshine State. Jim Loeb, why did the U.S. invade Iraq? The official reasons the threat posed to the U.S. and its allies by Saddam Hussein's alleged programs of weapons of mass destruction and the possibility that he would pass along these arms to al-Qaeda have long since been discarded by the overwhelming weight of evidence, or more precisely, the lack of evidence that such a threat ever existed. Liberating Iraq from the tyranny of Hussein's especially unforgiving and bloodthirsty version of Ba'athism and thus setting an irresistible precedent that would spread throughout the Arab world, a theme pushed by the administration of President George W. Bush, mostly after the invasion as it became clear the official reasons couldn't be justified, appears to have been the guiding obsession of really only one member of the Bush team, and not an especially influential one at that, Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz. Then there's the theory that Bush, whose enigmatic psychology, especially his relationship to his father, has already provided grist for several book-publishing mills, wanted to show up his dad for failing to take Baghdad in 91. Or he sought to finish the job that his dad began in 91, and or his avenge for his dad... Uh, to avenge his dad for Hussein's alleged but highly questionable assassination attempt against Bush one in Kuwait after the war. 
Because Bush was the ultimate decider, as he himself has put it, and because no one who has ever served at top levels in the administration has ever been able to say precisely when, let alone why, the decision was made to invade Iraq, this explanation cannot be entirely dismissed as an answer. Then there's the question of oil. Was the administration acting on behalf of an oil industry desperate to get its hands on Mesopotamian oil that had long been denied as a result of U.N. and unilateral sanctions prohibiting business between U.S. companies and Saddam Hussein? Given both Bush's and Vice President Cheney's long-standing ties to the industry and former Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan's assertion in his recent memoir that the Iraq war is largely about oil, this theory has definite appeal, especially to those on the left who made no blood for oil a favorite mantra at anti-war protests in the run-up to the invasion, just as they did with much greater plausibility before the 91 Gulf War. The problem, however, is that there's little or no evidence that big oil, an extremely cautious beast in the global corporate menagerie, favored a war, especially one carried out in a way unilaterally that risked destabilizing the world's most oil-rich region, especially Saudi Arabia and the Emirates. On the contrary, the Rice University Institute that bears the name of former Secretary of State James Baker, a man who has both represented and embodied big oil throughout his long legal career, publicly warned early on that if Bush absolutely positively had to invade Iraq for whatever reason, he shouldn't even consider it unless two conditions were met. One, that the action was authorized by the U.N. Security Council, and two, that nothing would ever be done after the invasion to suggest that the motivation had to do with the acquisition of US, by U.S. oil companies of Iraq's oil resources. That's not to say that oil was irrelevant to the administration calculation, but perhaps in a different sense than that meant by the No Blood for Oil slogan. After all, oil is an absolutely indispensable requirement for running modern economics and militaries after the invasion was a forceful and the invasion was a forceful indeed a shock and awesome demonstration to the rest of the world, especially potential strategic rivals like China, Russia, or even the European Union, of Washington's ability to quickly and effectively conquer and control an oil-rich nation in the heart of the energy-rich Middle East Gulf region any time it wants, perhaps persuading these lesser powers that challenging the U.S. could prove counterproductive to long-term interest, if not the supply of energy in the short term. Indeed, a demonstration of such power could well be the fastest way to formalize a new international order based on the overwhelming military power of the U.S., unequaled at least since the Roman Empire. It would be a unipolar war of the kind envisaged by the 92 Draft Defense Planning Guide, DPG, commissioned by then-Pentagon Chief Dick Cheney, overseen by Wolfowitz and Cheney's future chief of staff, I. Lewis Scooter Libby, and contributed to by future ambassador to be liberated Afghanistan and Iraq, Zalmay Khalilzad, and Bush's Deputy National Security Advisor, J.D. Crouch, it was that same vision that formed the inspiration for the 27 charter signatories, a coalition of aggressive nationalists, neocons, and Christian right leaders that included Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, Libby, Khalilzad, and several other future senior Bush administration national security officials of the Project for the New American Century in 1997. It was the same project that began calling for regime change in Iraq in 1998, and that nine days after the 9-11 attack on New York and the Pentagon, publicly warned that any war on terror that excluded Hussein's elimination would necessarily be incomplete. In retrospect, it seems clear that Iraq had long been seen by this group, which became empowered first by, first by Bush's election and supercharged by 9-11, as the first, easiest, and most available step toward achieving a Pax Americana that would not only establish the U.S. once and for all as the dominant power in the region, but whose geostrategic implications for aspiring peer competitors would be global in scope. For the neocon and Christian right members of this group, who were its most eager and ubiquitous war boosters, Israel would also be a major beneficiary of an invasion. According to a 1996 paper drafted by prominent hardline neocons, including some like Douglas Fife and David Wormser, Mumser, who would later serve in senior posts in Cheney's office and the Pentagon in the run-up to the invasion, ousting Hussein and installing a pro-Western leader was the key to destabilizing Israel's Arab enemies and or bending them to its will. 
This would permit Israel not only to escape the Oslo peace process, but also to secure as much of the occupied Palestinian and Syrian territories as it wanted. Indeed, getting rid of Hussein and occupying Iraq would not only tighten Israel's hold on Arab territories, in this view it could also threaten the survival of the Arab and Islamic world's most formidable weapon against Israel, OPEC, by flooding the world market with Iraqi oil and forcing the commodities price down to historic lows. That's how it looked five years ago anyway. Well, that last part sure worked out really well, didn't it? Yeah, look at that. Historic lows. Thank you, Mr. President, and all you neocons, all you Nazis, for those low gas prices, for raping the world. And you know what Mo would say, don't you? Gang rape is funny. That's what he would say. Well, I mean, I could find it in here. I doubt it. Oh, I'll find it. Gang rape is funny. See? When it comes to the Mo man, it's always... It's time to get it on. Right. Let's bring him back. What do you say? Now, this would be a good poll. Oh, I, do I dare, dare... You know what I'm thinking, don't you? Between, mm. like, two and four? Oh, yeah. That's what would be a good poll. Who did you enjoy most between two and four in the last couple of years on the station? We could... We... Yoli, he was on there for a while, right? and then there was Mo, and then we got Jerks with his heat stats and the uh, bongos. He bothers me. You know, I, I know you say he's a very nice guy, and I've never met him, and I'm sure I never will. Off the air. I mean, he I don't know. I've heard me. conflicting reports about that, too, so who knows? Really? About yeah. what? Him being a nice guy? Right. As, as if, as in? As, as in, uh, he's not. As in, he's a really? jerk with a giant ego, takes himself way too seriously, things like that. No. But I wouldn't know these things for a fact. I'm just repeating what other people say. It's hearsay, <laughs> as Judge Judy would say. He's only ever been nice to me. Except, well, good. You know. 181 votes on Chris's poll, so that's like 1081. You got 1100 licked, man. It is a banner day for us. In fact, so good, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Uh-oh. We only have a two-hour show tomorrow, 10 to noon, because George is working, and then uh, because it's Good Friday. And I'm being very religious. I'm going to get a car early in the morning. I'm going to go to the Church of Woodbine. I'm going to cross myself and hope to find a good machine man. You know, we'll, we'll never get the true answer. No matter how many times you try to research it online or in books or anybody, or in the people you talk to, you'll never get the honest answer of if and how slot machines are manipulated and regulated in, in casinos nowadays. Well, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. What you were supposed to be getting for your birthday that I ordered from uh, Amazon Canada. Yeah. And uh, it was the... And at the time, it was already in print, but uh, then, uh, you know, how they psych you out sometimes. Oh, we're really not ready for how printing How to find yet. a good machine, man? Is that what it's called? It was the definitive textbook guide all about slot machines, how they work from uh, the first ones to the modern ones. Really? Everything, how they work, how they generate the percentages, what can be done, what can't be done. Um, from the people who make them, build them, use them, own them, operate them. It's that, a textbook. Now, now, are you telling me that so I could cry now? Yeah, that's Because obviously I wanted badly. I would kiss your ass from a long distance from here. I was really proud of finding it, up. except the problem is, you know, it's a second edition. You know, it's, uh, you know it was uh, just out, but guess what? Not. So... Guess what, not what? What does that it's mean? It's not out yet. In other words, I keep getting emails from Amazon Canada saying that books are going to be out any minute no, now. No, because they probably found whoever wrote it and they probably killed them. You probably. Know? It's one of those things, if I tell you I'm going to have to kill you, and they probably did. Right, it's the new revised second edition, updated because for the modern Because anybody machine. else who's ever played, and, and, and you know how it works, there's a guy, an old guy sitting next to me yesterday, and I was only there 15 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. Pops. And he's sitting next to me, and he sat down, and he got 640 on the line, on the double diamond machine, which I hate those. I only play the five times machines, Mom. But anyway, he got 640. Double diamond, seven other double diamond. He had no idea what he got. He's a clueless old guy. What is that? Yeah, it's a 640. What? 640. Oh, how nice. And like uh, five minutes later, I get to this spin for 1,000. 
And you see that. Now, all of a sudden, they'll all get hot, and the people are getting 400 and 500 and 1,000 and 3,000 on the line. And then there'll be days when it goes for hours and hours, and you're feeding and feeding and feeding, and people are... Uh, I've noticed lately uh, there's been about four of them, four machines where people have gotten so frustrated they just smash the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they take, like, tape, and they put it over so nobody gets cut and sues their ass. And then they uh, took the guy away in handcuffs. I we'll try that tomorrow. Morning. The best Smash the glass, baby. Use your ass, smash the Thirty-two at five sixty WQM. Now, even our regulars, our chronics like Russell and Coco, who's a good guy, a regular faxer, good listener, a uh, long time. He doesn't get it. This fax you just sent me. Yeah, well, that's why I knew uh, you'd like it. It says, "Hola, Jorge. Programming note for Neil. Stern interviewed Ryan Philippi on his show this morning. Hour-long, funny, candid names, names. Now, well, what does that mean? Names, 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 names of what? Like who he did what with? I'm sure is what that refers to. Yeah. The show is repeated on Sirius throughout the day, and I'm blah, 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 outstanding. The old man and his friend might want to check it out. Uh, I, I just, first of all, I don't have Sirius. See? Sirius? I'm serious. I'm seriously, like my friend says. I'm seriously. Uh, <laughs> That's what he says while he's drinking his apple juice. That's cute. Listen to me, okay? It's just, uh, I'm trying to. He, he does pretty damn good, okay? I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. What? I ain't saying nothing. Well, good. And as far as Ryan Phillippe is concerned, he's somebody that I uh, enjoy watching on the movies and on TV because he looks really, really great. And he's in a lot of really great movies like Crash and a few others. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't, uh, I don't care. I don't care about Howard Stern. I know that that's un-American and un-radio-ish and to a lot of people out there. I'm just, just not interested. Are you? Nope. When we had him on the station... When we followed him, the only thing that I cared about was were we ever going to get the show started and what time we're going to start on that given day. And that's all I cared about. And the fact that we had a great lead-in with numbers and so on and so forth. And we had bigger numbers than he did, if you'll recall. But, of course, part of that is because they sliced up his show like Swiss cheese with all the uh, bleeps and the dumps and all the other stupid crap they did. That, that, you know something? That experiment was the epitome of this company. They wanted to put it on. They wanted to be outrageous. They wanted the big numbers. They wanted all the revenue from it. But at the same time, oh, gee, but we don't want to get fined again by the FCC. We don't want to lose that license, which we don't want. I, I still don't think we got it. Do we have it? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we're like pirate radio. I think we ought to promote ourselves as that, pirate radio, QAM. That'd be better. We ain't got no license. Every day. Anything else, Robin? Anything else, Robin? And on and on. It was like an endurance contest. How long could they forestall the inevitable, okay? I mean, we do the opposite. You know, like it's ten minutes to ten, and George will say to me, is it two yet? You know, we always joke about that, because, uh, you know, we're anxious to get out of here like anybody else. It's not like how, how long can we stay on the air to feed our ego or something like that. The only thing we're interested about is feeding our face, which that didn't happen today. I want to apologize to both of you profusely, but... It's one of those things. 
By the way, we don't have one of those uh, things. What? We don't have one of those things. What? Things you're talking about, you know, the radio station should have, but we don't. One of what things? License. <laughs> we don't? No. Did you get that officially now? Shh. I just Who made told it. you that? I just Did made it tell you that? Nobody opened the door and told me that just now. Absolutely no one. Did somebody uh, text you? No, Email nobody told you? me. I pulled somebody it out of my arse. Somebody a bottle? Somebody I pulled it out of my telegram. arse. Did you get a message from Garcia? From God. Oh, from God. Well, in that case... Neil, God! We don't got it. But the Stern thing was like, uh, you know, they wanted it, and of course they had it on a Fort Myers, too, and then he, he canned them because they were... Well, we don't want to go into that. <laughs> they get psychotic about that. But it's true. He canned it because uh, he wasn't getting paid over from over there. For uh, the fees for having a show on the air. And he said, well, guess what? We're pulling the show off uh, whatever that station is in Fort Myers. Remember that? Yep. And that was right at the time when they were, uh, he was all hot to try for me to be on Sirius. That sure uh, made, you know, that screwed that all up. Not, of course, that Norma could have ever closed that deal anyway. I, I'm not sure Norma could close a door, you know? Now, who is it I was reading about yesterday whose agent was uh, Don Buckwald? Who was that? What about him? Don't you remember yesterday I had the story yeah. that somebody... I don't understand the question. Who was it that I was reading about who was ran that said, so-and-so's agent is Don Buckwald? Oh, some mediocre hack, if I recall. I forget. Well, there you go. 203 votes on the poll. That gives us over 100 for the day. And they keep hawking about this a lady killed by the stingray while somebody they're going to vote in Marathon. I mean, it's a sad story. but And they keep showing the damn stingray. Gross. I'm sure when it's swimming in the water, it probably looks better. It looks beautiful, you know. Flapping its uh, wings, whatever you would call What would you call those? Fins. It's fins? Yep. Those are fins? Those are fins. They look like the fins. I bet you that's like uh, Zach Thomas. Sure ain't Jason Taylor. He's too busy dancing these days. Boy, his, his whole thing, man. I, I, I'm sorry. I better not say anything because it's the Dolphin Station. And these people get very upset. Oh, no, don't be knocking Jason Taylor. He's great. Bye-bye. With his uh, calendar and his dancing and his, you know, a lot of it is, uh, seems awfully gay to me. I'm not that I'm suggesting that, of course. That would be a bad thing to suggest. I'm not suggesting that at all. But it just seems a little gay. Don't, doesn't it seem a little lot to you? Yeah, a tad bit. Yesterday marked the five-year anniversary, as you know, of the U.S. invasion of Iraq, ordered by President George W. Bush. A CBS affiliate in Miami reports on one mother, Christy Domenico, whose only child is stationed in Iraq. Her 26-year-old son, Brian, has been in Iraq for nearly a year. Only three weeks into his stay, his platoon was ambushed. That was their first taste of reality, reflected Domenico. Sadly, said reporter Liv Davalos, it's a reality that families all over the country have experienced this in the last five years of this war. So far, nearly 4,000 Americans have died. Nearly 60,000 have been injured. Many have come home missing limbs. Domenico, who helps collect letters and care packages to be sent to area troops in Iraq, says her son told her on the phone, Mom, my goal is to come back with my legs. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. And, of course, they only talk about the statistics of the, you know, nearly 4,000, 39.92, something like that, nearly 4,000 dead. But very seldom do they talk about the grotesqueries of all the uh, missing limbs and uh, just right. destroyed Nerve lives. Damage, okay? right, that's blind, what we're talking death. about, butchered lives, because we have a butcher that's running the country, and the media is busy sucking his ass, okay, which is the way it's been all during these uh, seven years that he's been in there. 
The man is a lunatic, irresponsible. Cheney's even crazier than he is with that arrogant, obnoxious attitude with that interview yesterday. Well, so, so, so the country's against it. So, he couldn't give a damn less about anything other than himself and his fat cat oil buddies. That's all he cares about is Halliburton and filling his fat ass pockets and his bulldog daughter and his obnoxious, uh, smarmy, uh, novel writing wife. Dick Ch and and uh, what's his name? He still calls him Cheney. On MSNBC, Chris Matthews, Dick Cheney. Why, why does he say that? I don't know. He's an idiot. He's a moron, Chris Matthews, with his politics. It's our politics fix. And the public sits back and they watch it like, hey, here's a guy that belongs on TV. He's really great. You know, Pytel knows a lot about politics. Don't get excited now. Just stay calm. You got the day off tomorrow. You can go to, in the morning, win a lot of money, play that Wheel of Fortune. I want that damn book now. I sent you I mean, a little, uh, like I cut and pasted the message that they keep sending me, like every month. Well, I don't want that. What's that going to teach me about the, the name of the book? Good machine, the name huh? of the book. Maybe you can find it in a bookstore up oh. there, since I got it from Amazon Canada. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm vexed. I'm daunted. I don't know how else to find it. The, the I think the book is called The Name of the Game Is Losing Your Ass. <laughs> I know that the Lord even loves Neil Rogers. I remember freedom. I remember freedom of speech. I remember uh, when we could say uh, things and do things and play things and be things. Stuff like that. Uh-huh. BB, before Bush. So George sends me this email from Amazon.ca. Yeah. That says, we're still trying to obtain the following items you ordered on October 29th, 2007. Yeah. John Grachowski is the author. And the book, it's in paperback, the slot machine answer book, second edition. Right. Now, how the, they work, the, how they've changed, how to overcome the book advantage. The picture the is it's a, a big book, you know. It's not one of these. It's, like a, it's like a big book, even though it's paperback. It's not one of these little things. It's like a, a manual. I told you, I'm not a science queen, okay? I don't care how big it is. All right. The only thing I would like is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't really tell you anything, but it would be fun to read it, you know. But you never know how to overcome the house advantage. How could you possibly do that? Well, because the people that build them and make them, they might know a thing about them. And the people that uh, work at the house, for the house. Well, how been... do you know this book is now yet? Uh, I don't. I, this is just what I keep getting from them, and I can't find it otherwheres. Maybe you can have better luck. I don't know. John Grochowski? Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that up, put it in my pocket right now, and go to one of our gigantic, like they have the world's largest bookstore here downtown. Mm-hmm. Which is like... Two or three stories. And there's all kinds of stories out on the street. Hey, don't forget to fill out your brackets for the big tournament. Log on to WQM.com. Register to play Hoops Hysteria. we got that big Hurricane St. Mary's uh, School for the Poor tomorrow at noon. 
Picks can be made round by round and bonus points given for picking up sets. Hoops Hysteria online at WQM.com. We at least have that for you on the QM.com. We don't have the Neil deal today because there isn't any. Because... Uh, because of certain um, situations there that we got right. a sales factors beyond Andy, our control. Well, well, let me ask you this question. Uh huh. Did Andy, this person, the sales hole, did he ever come in there and discuss this with you or give you? Uh, yeah, I'm no, sorry no, about that's this. That's funny. Or? I'm pretty sure he's scared to even come anywhere near the studio. Why? Because he's an idiot. Okay. Because I don't he, know. There's no reason he for him up to be. our whole deal. Right. Know, the audience is used to having a good deal there every Thursday. And most weeks they go like hotcakes, man, like flatjacks in Saudi Arabia. Yep. Oh, there's Oliver. Love gold. Bring me your old gold and I'll give you cash. Because. I'm the cash man. I'll give you money for your gold. Oh, yeah. I just like that spot. I, I don't know why. He's funny. Funny guy. Now, most guys that do their own spots, it's uh, pretty embarrassing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm hmm. Mark Caputo in the Herald writes, now you notice I'm even giving the bylines of who writes, I mean, it's just silly. Who cares who wrote it? It's in the Herald. Chief Justice calls budget cuts murder. Murder. In unusually alarming terms, the Chief Justice of the Florida Supreme Court told legislators today that a nearly 10% budget cut to the state court system would be tantamount to anything from murder to suicide to a spear to the heart. Judge Fresh, uh, Justice Fred Lewis, Judge Frestus Lewis, said the $42.1 million in cuts contemplated for next budget year would lead to the firing of 900 court employees statewide, inevitably leaving the court system comatose or in a state of effective death. Lewis acknowledged that the reduction was insignificant when compared to the 2 to $3 billion in total budget cuts, but said it would lead to the virtual shuttering of the judicial branch, which has 4,200-plus employees and a total budget of $445 million. When you ask a branch to commit suicide, it cannot. It may be murdered by others, and we may not find justice, he told the Senate Criminal Justice Appropriations Committee. But the judgment must rest on the plates of those public servants who have been elected to maintain Florida as the bright, shining star that it is, he says. <laughs> the committee chairman, Senator Victor Christ of Tampa. I wonder if he's kin to your governor. A lot of Christuses in there, you know. we got Charlie Christ and Victor Christ. I wonder if he's also like your governor. Gay said the justice had a legitimate concern, but that the judicial branch could be spared the most because courts and county clerks could raise court fines and fees and do a better job collecting them, especially in Dade County, where millions aren't collected and sent to the state for uh, some years. Lewis said he supported finding those other revenues, but wouldn't say what they were. He said the situation was dire. They're in dire straits. We're not talking about putting off a case for an hour. We're not talking about minor impacts. We're talking about children of Florida. We're talking about the most vulnerable of Florida. We're talking about keeping our citizens safe and sound and secure, Lewis B. saying. Noting that the use of court and social services rises with a bad economy, Christ also said that state attorneys, judges, and public defenders need to do a better job managing their time, selecting cases to prosecute, and ensuring that only the truly poor use public defenders. But neither Lewis nor state attorneys nor public defenders in the room said they were aware of widespread mismanagement of court time or cases. The budget cuts, Chris said, will be far worse for other programs that don't have as many revenue-raising opportunities. Those include prisons, the parole commission, guardian ad litem services for kids, juvenile justice programs, and drug prevention programs. In the world of legislative budgeting and Senate traditions, Chris said, he can't ask Senate President Ken Pruitt for more criminal justice budget money because it would come out of another senator's section of the state budget. But he told his members that they could advocate for more. Senator Alex Villalobos of Miami quickly zeroed in on the transportation budget. He said the money should come from the road building and development program that Pruitt said could cost up to $5.4 billion. 
Democrat Arthenia Joyner of Tampa and Republican Charlie Dean of Inverness agreed with Dean, saying environmental programs protecting things like frogs should take a back seat. Oh, let's get rid of the frogs. The frogs will have to find another pond, he said. How do you like that? All right. Money to protect frogs. Oh, my God, if you had any idea. I mean, if you want to, if you want to know the definition of the word nauseous, wake up one morning and find yourself in Montreal. All right. You will be instantly nauseous. I'll take your word for it. And if you don't speak French, man, they don't want nothing to do with you. If you don't speak parlez-vous français, they want you to uh, die. Right. Probably just as well. This is Quebec. Speak French. Speak French. I just goes to show you how well that bilingualism thing works, man. It sure causes a lot of love and harmony and brotherhood and hate. 223 votes on our poll, on our second poll of the day, and we're pretty proud of that, aren't we, Chris? Yes, we are. Very. That's okay. Which of these things is most likely to happen in your lifetime? The world will be run out of oil, 50. Man's space flight to Mars, 43. Legalization of marijuana in the U.S., 41. Uh, they're talking about that criminal justice system. How about letting all the uh, pot people out of jail? That would save a lot of money. How about quitting with all that uh, harassing of people doing a little bit of minor drugs? Yeah. Huh? Cure for AIDS, 36. Second coming of Jesus, 20. Oh, I'm waiting right now. I'm going to sit on my balcony until Jesus comes back. Cure for cancer, 17. The U.S. will start using the metric system, 12. You should live so long. And peace in the Middle East, only six. I'm 227 votes. Yeah, a piece of this, a piece of that. A piece of Gaza, a piece over here. Oh, did you see the Getchkeys? Did you see the crazy people at the uh, Wailing Wall the other day? Uh, no, I missed it. Oh, my tape. God, when McCain was there and Lieberman, and Jew Lieberman was saying, over here, it's wonderful over here. This is where we get the uh, home montage. <laughs> Just in time for poor. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. It's day oh! in Miami town. <laughs> At 